It's time for Twit This Week in Tech. Great panel for you. It's kind of old home week. Sam Abul Samad joins us. My car guy, Doc Rock, joins us from Hawaii. And Stacy Higginbotham from This Week in Google. We are going to talk, I think, a lot about Apple's new proposed child pornography protections. Some say it's a privacy invasion. Others say, think of the children. This is not an easy one, but we'll go deep on this. We'll talk about Google's reveal of the Pixel 6. It's kind of a, an interesting choice when they've got a new 5A coming along next week. And Firefox lost 50 million users last year, almost 20% of its total. Is that a bad thing? I think it is. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more coming up next. It's going to be a fun twit. Stay tuned. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Twit. This Week in Tech. Episode 835. Recorded Sunday, August 8th, 2021. A straw man without legs. This Week in Tech is brought to you by Modern Finance. The financial landscape is harder than ever to navigate, but you don't have to do it alone. Download and subscribe to Modern Finance from Kevin Rose, wherever you listen to podcasts, and get ahead of the future of finance. And by Zip Recruiter. Over two-thirds of Americans are planning to travel this summer. That means airlines, restaurants, and more are ramping up their hiring. Who do they turn to? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds qualified candidates for your job and invites them to apply. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter free at ZipRecruiter.com slash twit. And by Udacity. Gain in-demand tech skills in as little as three months with Udacity's part-time online tech courses. Visit Udacity.com slash twit and get 75% off any program with the code twit 75 limited time offer and by at&t active armor we rely so much on our phones these days and are always on them whether it's live streaming content catching up with family on weekly video calls or watching your favorite podcast there's no room for fraud calls thankfully at&t makes customer security a priority helping block those pesky calls it's not complicated at&t active armor 24-7 proactive network security and fraud call blocking to help stop threats at no extra charge. Compatible device and service required. Visit att.com slash active armor for details. It's time for Twit This Week in Tech, the show where we cover the latest tech news with the dream team, people we've pulled in from our Twit larger Twitch family and uh, boy we got a good family this week. I wish this were Thanksgiving. Joining us from this week in Google, the wonderful Stacy Higginbotham, Stacy on iot.com at GigaStacy on the Twitter. She's uh, d- does that podcast, the IoT podcast with Kevin Toffel. It's so nice to see you on a Sunday instead of a Wednesday. Thank you for doing this, Stacy. Thank you for inviting me. I felt like I abandoned y'all for two weeks, so I had to come back early. Yeah, we did miss you on Twig. I, I missed y'all. Yeah, but we're glad you're uh, glad you're here for Twit. Actually, I'm really glad because we're going to start off with a tough topic, but uh, I'll get to that in a second. Also with us, Doc Rock. He's a creator. It says so on his T-shirt, youtube.com slash Doc Rock from Honolulu. Hello, Doc. 
How you doing? Good I to see great. you here. I feel so bad. I forgot you live in Oahu, and when we were there, we should have called, and I apologize, but it just gives me an excuse to go back, because we love the go. island. You That's are, better. It is beautiful. We we fell in love. I understand why you stayed. You fell in love, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was something about no snow and, and you know, not having to deal with buying different clothes. One set of clothes lasts all year. Doc is also the community manager at Ecam. You might see the Ecam hat. We'll talk about Ecamm in a little bit, but uh, I know Micah still loves his Ecamm setup, lets him work from home. I still use Ecamm. There you go. Oh, what? Oh, it, I didn't know that, Stacey. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Anything you need, I got you. I actually had uh, Rosemary on my show not that long ago, and we nerded out over shortcuts forever, and all she could say is, oh, my God, I love this. It's so cool. So, yeah. For, <laughs> for, I'll have to go check that out. I hadn't, I had I had no idea. All you right. see already, it's happening, the magic. Also, <laughs> from Ypsilanti, Michigan, it is Sam Ebel Samet, my car guy, podcaster, wheelbearings.media, principal researcher at Guidehouse Insights. He's on my radio show every uh, Sunday. Just talk to him, actually. Hi, Sam. Hello, Leo, and good to meet you, Doc Rock and Stacy. Oh, I should have introduced you. I didn't know. I just assume everybody knows everybody. Anyway. Well, we kind of introduced, we introduced met, met each other before you came into the studio. But oh, good. And we've seen pictures of your wedding now in, in uh, Kauai, yeah. so <laughs> I think we're family. I think we count. Uh, so bi- the big story of the week, and it's actually a developing story, Apple announced on Thursday that they are going to start uh, implementing an iOS 15 new child safety measures. In fact, if you go to apple.com slash child.safety, you can read about this. Uh, and, you know, on the face of it, when I first read it, I thought, well, this seems like a smart way to do it. I'll just, I'll explain quickly what they're doing so that we can then have a, a good conversation about why it's the worst thing ever, because apparently privacy advocates, including the EFF, um, the Center for Democracy and Technology, a lot of cryptographers and others are very upset about this. So there's an organization uh, called the National Center for Exploited and Missing Children. It's a non-governmental nonprofit, but it is funded by the U.S. government, NCMEC, I'll call it, that has a database of child pornography, or CSAM, Child Sexual Abuse Material. You'll hear those acronyms a lot in this conversation, NECMEC and CSAM. So the NECMEC database is a, a fingerprint database. It's a hash, a cryptographic hash of a lot of awful child pornography images, actual specific images, each of which have been fingerprinted. And the fingerprinting they do is done in such a way that even if the image is cropped or later turned into a black and white image or modified in some way, the fingerprint does not change. So that hash is specific to that image. You should also know that it's not specific to whatever the image is of. It is that picture. So you could take a picture of a car, hash it. Another picture of the same car would not have the same fingerprint. So those fingerprints are tied directly to a specific pornographic image, uh, child porn image. So this database has been around for a while. In fact, it's my understanding uh, companies have been using this for a while. Facebook, Google, and others have been using this as a while, uh, for a while. Apple plans, starting with iOS 15, to put a copy of this database on your device uh, and then 
to compare, to create a fingerprint of images that you send through messages, whether it's SMS or data only, uh, images you upload to iCloud, images you download from iCloud, uh, to, comp- to run that hash, you can do it locally on the iPhone and then compare the fingerprint. Uh, important, according to Apple's white paper, Apple does not learn about anything about images that don't match the database. Apple cannot access metadata or visual derivatives for matched images until a threshold of matches is exceeded. They do not say what that threshold is. Is it one picture? Is it five? Is it 10? Is it 100? They don't say. But there is some threshold. It's not just, apparently not just one picture matching. You have to have more than one. The risk, they say, of the system incorrectly flagging an account is extremely low. And... If there's a report going to be made, so the two things can happen. If there's a match and you match the threshold, so if there's some number of matches, if it's on a child's phone under under 13, the parents will be notified. If it's on an adult's or somebody 13 or older's phone, uh, after that threshold is passed, a uh, image will be sent, a low-quality image will be sent to Apple, which will be reviewed by a human. If it does, in fact, match that known CSAM image, then they will notify NECMEC. It says users can't access or view the database of known images. Users can't identify which images were flagged. Um, so, so Apple's trying to create a system uh, that uh, it respects privacy but still does something about child pornography. This is something uh, every company is worried about because apparently there's a lot of child pornography. The Internet's widely used to distribute it and store it. So Apple doesn't want to be doing that. Uh, in fact, they have up to now uh, been among the big tech companies, the slowest to report uh, CSAM images on their servers. This is a pick, an image that Apple uh, distributed of how the hashes uh, work. If you're, uh, it will now, here's one thing that does concern people. It will also match against your iCloud photos. Uh, so, but it doesn't match against, I, I think it's important to, confirm that it doesn't match pictures like if i took a picture of my toddler in the bathtub no, it's not looking it is for not gonna ma- it's not going to match right it's not looking for that it's only looking for pictures of that have already been identified as child porn yeah and then, correct. yeah and that's okay. fairly important there have been a number of mainstream media outlets that have actually gotten that wrong and said that they're looking for right. a certain amount of nudity or things like that it doesn't work that way it is no. merely a cryptographic hash against known child porn images. So you you mentioned Leah, you mentioned that you know this can detect you know if you've cropped the image or resized it or you know done various other things to it you know that it can still recognize the image. And machine machine vision systems are not that reliable in general. You know, I mean, how how do we but have any looking- information? Information about I mean, how how accurate this actually is. Their false positive thing not, was something like well, hold one. On, in, hold on, I can. They're not able to. They're not looking for. This is a child. What they're looking for, they've got a set of pixels. It's not face recognition at all. When they're creating these hashes, what they're doing is they're taking a set of... Computers are actually really good at this because they're not turning this into meaning. They don't know what they're looking at. They're looking at a set of pixels, which is why if you crop it, they can still recognize X number of those pixels and match it back to the original. So that's... It's it's a hash. is Is it doing the hash based on 
initially on some subset, like, you know, some part of maybe the middle of the image so that if you do crop it, you're still capturing that part of it because, you know, a, a hash, you know, if you, if, if you take, you know, a, a binary file and you hash it, if, if you change it doesn't one work bit the in that same file, way. it changes the hash. That's right. This is called. So a, that's what I'm trying I'll, to understand. I'll read from the, a, here. We go. I'll read from Apple's white paper. They call it a yeah. neural hash. It is. You're, so you're you're right in this. A perceptual hashing function that maps is images to numbers. Perceptual hashing bases this number, this hash, this fingerprint on features of the image instead of precise pixel values. So that's, you're exactly right, Sam. It's so just not, doing a machine vision system the and system, then hashing that. It says the system computes these hashes by using an, an embedding network to produce image descriptors and then converting those descriptors to integers using what they call a hyperplane local sensitivity hashing process so that different images produce different hashes. And they give an example here of two different images of a palm tree that have the same neural hash, but then a third image that that has different content and different hash. Doc Rock, you were about to say that the rate of false positives is very low in the order of what one to a billion or something. No, it was in the trillions. Trillions. That's that was the point. Is like I think one thing people get freaked out because they think there's going to be false positives, but I also. I have this conversation with my friends all the time because I think people hear the word billion and they hear the word trillion, but they don't know how to put <laughs> something to it. Right. So yeah. there was a guy a long time ago that made a text file that was literally a billion as put out as like ones and zeros or something. And the, the text file was like stupid long. Like this has a billion characters in it. Right. Just to show somebody like you'd be scrolling that thing for like 40 minutes to get to the bottom of the text file. Um, I, I use one that kind of mess. If you take, you know, say the person who identifies of the Christian faith, if you if I gave you a dollar every day since the person you look up to was born, I'd be at 740 some odd million. I'm still not at a billion. Yeah. So like billion is a very big number. Trillions Trillion is even bigger. More than that. <laughs> more so than that. The, the false positive things is, is, that they've put into effect has been good. And everyone's mad because Apple won't talk about like how they're doing it. Well, if we tell you how we're doing it, man, then well, the people pretty, can figure out how to They're pretty clear. It. This white paper is pretty clear. But <laughs> yeah, they left some so, stuff. So out we should flatten. Place. We should flatten this notion that uh, a you might be fingered in incorrectly. Uh, that that's that's a very 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 low probability. That's not the problem with this. But people do have not just people. Some pretty serious people have an issue with it. Uh, this is a letter that is circulating now, uh, has last, ca- last count 1,800 signatures from well-known cryptographers, privacy and security experts. It's at ApplePrivacyLetter.com, an open letter against Apple's privacy-invasive content scanning technology. Now, I'll point out my initial reaction to what Apple's doing after reading all of the material Apple put out was, oh, this seems like they're really, they want to do something about child pornography, and they're trying to do it responsibly but i have to confess i've been convinced otherwise uh first by this letter and then by a caller to the radio show but i'll I'll explain that in a second uh this letter says while child exploitation is a serious problem and while efforts to combat it are almost unquestionably well-intentioned and then this part's in bold apple's proposal introduces a back door that threatens to undermine fundamental privacy protection for all users of Apple products. 
Uh, and the reasoning the EFF gives, the CDT gives, and somebody I really respect, Dr. Matthew Green of Johns Hopkins gives, is that it is a slippery slope. And at Ugh. first I thought, is it a slippery I hate slope? Slippery, I hate slippery slope arguments. Well, that's the thing. If You know, is there is there a problem with the way they're doing it right now? No. But but I and at first I thought slippery. I had the same reaction. Ugh, a slippery slope. Everything's a slippery slope. Everything can get worse. But you don't act today on what's going on today on the potential that it could get worse, because everything's a slippery slope. If you do that, everything can get worse. Uh, Matthew Green said yesterday, we were gradually headed toward a future where less and less of our information had to be under the control and review of anyone but ourselves. For the first time since the 90s, we were taking our privacy back. Today, we're on a different path. And this is the slippery slope people are talking about. The pressure is going to come from the UK, from the US, from India, from China. I'm terrified about what it's going to look like. Why would Apple want to tell the world, hey, we've got this tool? Now, let me, I want to get your opinions, all of you. I'm just going to say one more thing and I'll stop talking. Uh, a guy called Joe, who's a, hello, hello, a guy named Joe who is in Brooklyn. That's okay, Stacey. We know your dog. That means some delivery, some wonderful delivery is coming. Right. She's going to run off to silence the animal. Um, Joe, who's a regular in our chat room and our discord server uh, as a club twit member from Brooklyn, very reasonable, said, OK, here's why this is potentially a problem. Now that Apple has said we could do this. The issue is governments coming to them saying, well, OK, I got a new database and I want you to do the same thing for that database. And the problem is when you're operating in a country like China or Saudi Arabia or Russia, they can do that. And so the premise is, well, what if, what if the Saudi Arabia, where it's illegal to be gay, said, I have a database of images of gay people. I want you to also check against that. Or there's actually a database, a terrorist database with so-called terrorist images, the Global Internet Forum to Counterterrorism has created a similar fingerprint database, but no one knows what's in that database because there's no external oversight. What's to keep, this is what EFF's talking about, that what's to keep the U.S. government or China or Russia or any other government from saying, Apple, if you want to do business in our country, in addition to that NECMEC database, we've got a database of terrorist images we want you to flag. Can Apple at that point say, well, okay, we'll do it for channel pornography. We're not going to do it for you. In which case the country can say, well, then you're not going to do business in our country. In fact, I would submit Apple's already opened this door by saying we can do it. It's too late. What's your, what are your thoughts, Stacey? Okay. So first, this database has existed for a while and is used for Facebook. So it's not that the feds are unaware that this is possible. So that's one. I don't think Apple has opened any door that hasn't already been there. Two, this is such a tough issue because we're basically putting the potential human rights violations of governments against the rights of children, or rather solving a documented and real problem with child pornography. And this this gets to the heart of what I always talk about and think about as we're building out the tools for what will essentially become a potential surveillance society, right? And we have to grapple with these issues, not just 
by saying, I'm going to ban this tool or I'm going to fundamentally break this tool by, you know, adding encryption or maybe I'm I'm banning the tool by saying we can't we can't have cell phone photos. I, I mean, the, that that horse is out of the barn. So now what we have to do is we have to figure out. And this is hard. Does a company have a moral obligation to people in other countries or do they have a moral obligation to their shareholders to make as much money as possible? And we can't say that Saudi Arabia is not going to ask Apple to do this, for example. What we can say is Apple maybe don't give in to them. And the issue here isn't I, I, I know this is a fraught issue, and I understand that this is very, this is fundamentally, it has the potential to be a huge problem. And I'm, I, I am like, I was like, ugh, slippery slope. I see the slippery slope. I've seen it before, but we deal with this in regulations all the time. That's the point of making regulations is saying, this is the line we're going to go to today, and this is where it's going to stop. And as you see, we move back and forth over this line over time, as as MLK would say, the moral arc of the universe shifts. So the question then becomes, <sighs> what do we expect from Apple what do we expect our government to do? What kind of rules can we put in place? It's not to say shove this horse back into the barn because it's already out. We have this capability. Everyone knows we have this capability. We're going to have more cameras and more places, which means other people who have less privacy va privacy focused values as Apple are going to be able to offer this as well. So let's have this conversation and let's see where we can draw these lines. Let's understand where other governments are going to draw those lines and then let's work from there. That's it. The issue Joe brought up and I think it was appropriate was when Apple operates in another country, it doesn't matter what we say. It's what China says. So when China said to Apple, no more VPNs in the app store, Apple didn't have a choice of complying. They only had a choice of leaving China. Right. And and that's a big – Apple's not going to leave China. It's too big for their business. Uh, so what what we could say is, well, yeah, Apple should only do business in the United States. I mean – Yeah, if, well, that's – Is that the that's choice? That's the choice we have to make. Yeah. I mean – I don't think Apple's going to only... do that. <laughs> that's uh, – Right, well <laughs> – You know, Google left China. But, but to be fair, Google didn't have a lot of business in China. Apple but does. But if everyone from a Western it. country – if if China or Saudi Arabia says, let's just go gay people in Saudi Arabia or, you know, the Uyghurs in China. I mean, it's documented what China is doing there. But we're in and there are plenty of companies that are complicit in that that are work with the U.S. If someone wants to make that their goal, they could come up to Apple and say, look. You know, you are killing gay people. Uh, this is theoretical. Killing gay people in Saudi Arabia. Don't listen to their government. If everybody in the EU and everybody in the U.S. decided to boycott them, right? I mean, part of this is like, but we don't do that. Apple, you know, Apple is right. is doing that in China, and no one's saying get out of China, Apple, because it's not okay with us. Um, and right. So I, I, this is the this is the pro. All right, Doc Rock, your your turn. <laughs> All right. What, so, where do you come down on this? I'm sure you have an opinion. 
Of course I do. I think that solving this issue is bigger than the fear of a bunch of people in the room freaking out over what might happen later. And here's why. I know that sounds kind of glib, but here's why. There are people that you know right now that if the emergency came up, you had to go somewhere. You could take your child to and hand it to them and trust them to care for that kid for a week. Yes. Why? Because the reputation of the relationship you've built with them and the way that they behave, the way they hold themselves, their core values, if you will, from now backwards. There has been no other company whose core value has been more about your privacy than any other large tech companies. And yes, they're not perfect. Nobody is. But they've been the best in the business, right? So are they're going to take your stuff and do something with it for you, you know, Joe Schmo on a personal level? No, not going to happen, right? Um, if you look at the lovely charts from, from Jason that you love so much, <laughs> like... Apple could probably walk away from Saudi Arabia and not care because they they cover it sooner or later. Right. Um, China's a little bit harder, but they also have a better pushback to China, too. Everyone thinks, well, they won't walk away from China because of the amount of business they do in China. Well, guess what? One of the things that they have in their strength is the same amount of business that they do in China. Apple pulling out of China pulls out billions of dollars from China. So China's not going to pull that flex any faster than Apple would pull that flex. Everyone loves to throw that one around. That one makes about as much sense as screen doors in the submarine. I've been to Foxconn. (laughs) I've literally walked around the campus of Foxconn. I've been in the building where they're freezing iPads to see if they can handle it. So, yeah, no, that city, Foxconn City itself, where everyone is, there's over a half a million people working on all myriad tech not just Apple stuff, but trust me, no one's walking away from anything. That's like, you know, um, when Allen Iverson was one of the biggest jerks in the planet, but the Sixers could not get rid of him. Who was going to be the guard? Right. Some, you have a brother-in-law right now. You can't really stand, but that's who your sister picked. I think, <laughs> what, that's, never mind. I got to get off that subject. <laughs> Leo's going to get me in trouble. Sounds like there's something uh, you want to share with us there, Dr. <laughs> but, but you just know what I'm saying, <laughs> I man. Do know what you're like saying. everyone loves it to is, throw that slippery stuff around. There is and a balance. I get it. I agree. But yeah. there's a balance, yeah. man. Come on. No, China, yeah, I think Apple, uh, China may not say to Apple, look, you got to do this. If Apple really says, yeah, and if we have to, we're pulling out. Uh, of course, China let Google pull out. Um, well, well, no thing, too, because um, I've been to China many times as well. Um, they were People get VPNs before Apple had it in the stores. Like, Golden Frog was my life when I went yeah. there. And, and, and so and it's not can. that big a deal. Like, yeah. China likes to throw that around because it looks good for the newspapers, but they can't stop all of the people trying to listen yeah. to what they want to listen to. Yeah. Sam? You're you're gonna you're gonna give us the final thought here. <laughs> you know, I, I agree with with most of what both Stacy and uh, Doc had to say. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree that you know we absolutely need to do I think within reason whatever we can to you know address the, the problem of child abuse. But you know, I also uh, I, I'm. I'm troubled by this because, you know, for, for a number of reasons, I mean, you know, the things you said about, you know, any individual government, you know, once you have this technology in there can pressure force, you know, a company to do things with it that 
you know, was not intended for it. And I think that there's also, I think there's, because of, you know, the work that I do around automated driving as well, you know, I see a lot of the problems with perception systems. And which is why I brought that, that up originally. You know, I think that, um, you know, this approach is also problematic. And while it may not lead to that many false positives right now with, you know, with the way it's being used now, I can definitely see where there could, there is the potential for a lot of errors in this, um, you know, because I mean, I see this every day, you know, with the system, you know, with sent, you know, with perception systems that are being used in the technologies that I cover as a, as an auto industry analyst. So I'm troubled by the use of a technology that is known and understood by everybody that uses it to be problematic at best. Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not as reliable as you would want it to be and the potential for misuse of it. And not just in China or Saudi Arabia or Uganda, but even here in the United States, I mean, we have seen, you know, in the, in recent years, government, you know, government officials that have wanted to use and abuse technology and, and try to force technology companies to do things. And while they, to our knowledge, at least haven't really been successful in forcing that issue yet, I, you know, I see a, a, a huge risk of, you know, if we put this technology out there, that future administrations will use it even here in the United States for in ways that we as a citizenry don't want that, that it would be undesirable, you know, for protecting the rights of, you know, everyone in the population. You have to think that Apple has made this calculus that they, uh, I would hope they're strategically have gone down the road that we've just gone down. I mean, if they have it, then they're not doing their job and have made some sort of peace with themselves about what they would do. Should China ask them to do something like this or should Saudi Arabia, do you think Apple has said to themselves, uh, okay, well, we'll say no. Yes. They haven't said no so far, you know, to China, you know, when it comes to VPNs or storing but surely you know, iCloud data on local that servers that, that the Chinese government has access to. They, they must understand that they've, they've now made a step that's going to, they're going to get some pressure. Uh, the New York Times points... What if points, we talk about... Oh. The New York, let me one more thing and then I'll ask Stacey. The New York Times points out that U.S. law requires tech companies to flag cases of child sexual abuse to the authorities. Apple has historically flagged fewer cases than other companies. Last year, for instance, Apple reported 265 cases to NECMEC, while Facebook reported 20.3 million, according to the center's statistics. That enormous gap is in due in part to Apple's decision not to scan for such material, citing the privacy of its users, Facebook has. I have to think that maybe we don't see, there's more that we don't see, that perhaps Apple has already been under significant pressure from the U.S. government to do this. Because, well, 265 cases compared to 20.3 million is a pretty big discrepancy. I don't think all the child pornography is on Facebook and none of it's on Apple. I'm sure that it's comparable. Go ahead, Stacey. 
I'm sure there's actually probably more because it is historically been private. private. Yeah. I would say I would love for this to open up a broader discussion about what rights people have on their phones. This has been such a gray area for the last, how how long have we been in doing the internet? Um, Let's say 30 or or (laughs) 30 or 40 years where we have, we still haven't figured out the right rules for setting privacy. And, I don't spend a lot of time on child porn. It's it's obviously super upsetting for me. Oh, I just yeah, it's, it's not horrible. Um, Some say but, that that's of course. Uh, think of the children is the refuge. It is of scoundrels. It is right? if you want to. It do is a hundred percent. Except there is actually a child porn community. There are horrific no, it's a re- images. It's a there real are problem. Yes. So. You know, I I would love to I would love for this to be a total like straw man argument, but it's it's a straw man with actual real legs, and so we have to pay attention to it. We can't just be like, how many is it really, um, or ignore it like that. So, if we had rules that say, hey, and they should follow you know, our constitution and what we and, and I know this is only in the U.S. I'm not talking about the rest of the world. And we have treaties that talk about that. And we should build our laws first and then talk to, you know, adjust our treaties to meet those. But we have laws for search and seizure. We just haven't, we haven't proactively talked about what that should look like as a society. We are relying on court cases and we shouldn't be doing that anymore. We can't afford to be doing it given the technology we're deploying. That's that's my biggest argument here. So if this gets us to actually talk about that, great. I'm with Stacey. I want to see it come out. And then, you know, I, I know it's one of those things that's hard to say, like we'll handle that bridge when we come to it. But imagine the good that could happen between now and, say, two years from now when something that becomes a hassle comes up. If we could take out, let's just use that Facebook number, right, and so we take the Apple number and we match the Facebook number. Look at how much great we've done. Then if something happens three years from now where we got to argue with some government or whatever, so what? If they're doing 23 million a year and then we get to add, or I think that's what you said, and we add another 23 million a year to that, right? So now we're at 46 million a year that we're just squashing. And then we double that. I'm sorry, triple that because, hey, we're going to do this three years before we run into the first issue. I'll take that. Like, it's just one of those things. It's like, uh, you know, Russian roulette. Sooner or later, you're going to be wrong. But let's not not play it because we might be wrong way down the lane. The other thing I think we glazed over really quick, and I double-checked my math on this. If you disable iCloud, in theory, it's not supposed to work, right? That's what it said in the paper. Uh, just the part of the iCloud storage, the transiting uh using messages i know i thought that was odd and i maybe i have to become more clear on that um there apple's feature which scans photos and text messages will be available only to families with joint icloud accounts if parents turn it on their child's iphone will analyze every photo received or sent in a text message to, to determine if it includes nudity. Now, this is, I don't know if the Times got this wrong or if this is, this is not what I read. Nude photos sent to a child will be blurred and the child will have to choose whether to view it. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know if the Times got that wrong. Did the Times get that wrong? That's, 
puzzling to me. I mean, that's I not involving that's not involving the hashes or anything. I know that's not from the database. That's a whole different. That's that's just doing perception on the Im, on the incoming images. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think that in, that's something. Decide. I think the Times got that wrong. I, they're not alone. I think the Washington Post also got this wrong. But uh, it's unclear to me. Um, did Apple announce two things that they were going to do? <laughs> One on child pornography, uh, both of which to address like uh, sending uh, naked pictures of or two thing. minors. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was all about fingerprinting. So I'm, I, I understand why people are confused. Um, the Washington Post says Apple is prying into iPhones to find sexual predators. The moves aimed at preventing predators and pedophiles from using, using Apple's services raise some civil liberties concerns. Um, See the whole that the, they're prying into iPhones that just automatically puts it in the negative. It so, implies like, that they're actually that Apple's actually looking, yeah. at, and it's not. It's yeah. all done on device. See, I can't stand when they do stuff like that because that's what the regular people read, right? We get to read each other, right? We have each other to bounce ideas off, yeah. talk these things out, try to come up with some things, and then we spend years trying to unprogram the one story that you know Grandma read or Granddad read on the paper, and and the Washington Post, hey. That's the paper, right? Well, the second paper. So, yeah, don't write headlines like that. That's irritating. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, I have to say, John Gruber, who did, a very, I think, a very good job of uh, breaking it all down, concludes, uh, will Apple f actually flatly refuse any and all such demands? If they do, it's all good. If they don't, and these features creep into surveillance for things like political dissent, copyright infringement, LGBT imagery or adult pornography, anything at all beyond the irrefutable CSAM, it'll prove disastrous to Apple's reputation for privacy protection. The stakes are incredibly high and Apple knows it. Whatever you think of Apple's decision to implement these features, they're not doing so lightly. I have to think Apple does not want to do this, that this is not something Apple ever wanted to do, but Apple was under intense pressure to do so from somebody and finally decided all right we're going to do what we're going to do we're going to do this now because we think we can do it in a way that protects privacy and we will worry about what happens down the road down the road that they they compromised in other words but they must see know, the potential the idea of somebody right. calling up apple saying please send me images of all of the you know the alphabet folks so that i can go do something heinous to them um what I mean, what do you think Tim was going to say to that? Our no. chat room, our chat room says they're searching your data. It's no different than the search, the secret police searching all homes. Not even the same thing. How is it's it different? Not, they're not looking. The there's, it's not a person. One, it's not like the secret police. And if it were the secret police, it would be like the secret police having blindfolds on and listening for a specific tone of something guilty. And if they hear it, they then take their blindfold off and take it. Yeah. That's a terrible analogy. <laughs> it is terrible, but it makes more sense. That, than that's just actually, assuming that's actually that not searching. That's everything. not a terrible. That, that's actually not the worst analogy. I mean, that's not that different from the kinds of things that happened, for example, in East Germany, uh, you know, the under, under the Stasi, you know, they, they, you know, they monitored people all the time listening for stuff. So I, I think it's not, you know, this is something that has happened before. And it could if, and, and probably will happen again. What if AT&T had a technology 
Actually, we, we think this was actually being done for some years under the uh, sober kit. Uh, was it Envoy? That the, the five eyes were scanning kind of impersonally in an automated fashion all phone conversations looking for words like bomb and C7 and various terrorist phrases. And they were collecting those phone calls in a database and were then later acting in some way on those uh, that that te- happened. Yeah, that technology existed, I believe. <laughs> uh, U.S. always denied it, but Great Britain, I think, finally said, yeah, well, we, yeah, we've been doing that. AT&T admitted it. They were working with NSA to do right. that. So, and I think we, the country agreed that's a bad idea, right? So going back well, to what so Susan the- said, these things are already in place, people. These, don't get it twisted. Don't make like, and even if I said, okay, we scrapped this idea, we're out. Everybody else is doing it. So at least it'd be nice to have the most ethical of them all in the party because it's happening whether we like it or not. Here's uh, to me, this boils down into uh, an interesting question, which has come up many times before. This is a whole new category. We have the smartphone where we are storing our lives for the first time in a single electronic device that is Internet connected uh, and is effectively controlled by the companies that make them. Let's not deny that Apple and Google have control over these devices in a way that perhaps if you thought about it, you really wouldn't want you know, your secret store of all your private stuff in the, their hands, but you do. Uh, but that's because case law has never dealt with that before. This is a new, this is kind of unknown territory for all of us, including the courts and the legal system and these companies, we are storing everything in this phone. And I think many privacy advocates, maybe I'll include myself, have said there needs to be a much higher standard of protection for these devices because we put so much in here, because we're storing so much in here. a nuance to your argument here? Yes. Because it's important. Not only are we putting everything in our phone a lot of us are uploading it to the cloud where it will stay literally forever. Combine that with the fact that we have enough cheap computing that you can analyze this data in ways that have never been analyzed yes. and tie it together That's right. in ways that implicate or... So So it's not just that we're putting more of our lives on our phone. It's that it's it stays there for the entirety of our life. And it's really easy to mine that in a way that it has never been before. Yeah. That's all. Yes. Yeah. And and the, to your point, the other thing, I, I run through this and try to explain to my, my family members about why they need complicated passwords. And I show them, you know, sort of entropy screens. And I, I literally recently had this conversation with my 11-year-old niece. And once I explained it to her, she actually understood it probably better than the people who need it the most. But explaining to her how I could just go to Amazon and rent a couple computers to just go through all of the passwords on your computer and probably get that done before we have dinner. It's different from what everyone thinks. There's a guy in the basement sitting there just trying all these passwords one at a time until they get it. And I'm like, no, man, I could scan everything with a couple computers from Amazon. It cost me about five or six bucks to rent that for a little bit. And just run through everything in your computer and know everything. So you're right to that point. And it's only getting better. But then it also makes me remember to what Sam was talking about earlier. We are at the infancy of uh, sort of neural computer as it is. And uh, computing, sorry. And it's getting better. So 
the stuff that we're at with the false positive now and where we are with perceptual imagery now, all of that stuff is going to be in the Moore's Law curve on the way up for the next five or six years as well. So we are sort of real-time battling both ends, if that makes any sense. My, I think the issue is that law enforcement and people who are sworn to protect us, who really want to genuinely, and I'll, I'll say this, genuinely want to stop child pornography, but also protect us against all sorts of harms. Look at this smart device as a treasure trove to do that. Like, we've never had anything like this before. And we desperately want to use it because we have, by the way, we have lots of laws and, you know, child pornographers get arrested all the time and go to jail, as they should, uh, using existing techniques and technologies and laws. Um, There is this kind of I think false, you use the word straw man, there's this false straw man, this one does not have legs, that uh, these modern technologies allow criminals to really act out because they can now hide what they're doing. I don't know if that's actually the case. In fact, I think there's a good case to be made that modern technologies have given police more More. access. I think so. I think they have. It's not a going dark problem, really. One thing to think about, and I'll just make this real personal for everyone who has children, um, not not, but think about baby monitors. And I do this a lot in this, like my whole thing is the smart home. So we have put sensors around our house. And as my daughter grew up, I had to really think about the type of sensors and when was the right time to take like a camera out of her room. Yeah. And I think the government If you think about it, I mean, yes, and I'm paternalistic in the sense that I have a child that I'm responsible for. The government is somewhat paternalistic in the sense that they're trying to look out for the good of their citizenry. So we have all these tools, and it's really interesting, the debate over when and how we choose to deploy it. Some parents will deploy, like, keystroke loggers on their kid's phone or, you know, monitor every single site they – I mean, the levels are different for everyone. But if you think about the way you treat your child's how you safeguard your child with increasing ability thanks to technology this is the same thing the government's trying to do which is why i think we need to have these like discussions about where we want to draw the lines yeah okay and and i think that it's also not unreasonable this i know we don't like this slippery slope argument but historically uh the fact that you know We've seen a slippery slope happen, that this that these phones exist with all sorts of information. Law enforcement has given more and more tools, more and more power to investigate. And um, uh, somebody, there's a good thread, Alex Stamos uh, has a good thread on Twitter about this, and somebody named David responding to him said, you could catch and prevent all sorts of crime if you installed a machine learning solution on everyone's devices to monitor their activity for signs of trouble and relay them to law enforcement, but we consider such ideas unconscionable. And that's the problem is law enforcement always is going to, for now, law enforcement is always going to want more access. This is a, this phone is a treasure chest for them. So they're always going to be pushing for more. And I don't think it's unreasonable for, for people to say, let's not give in too easily to but this, it's, it's even with this just very justifiable reason for this. Yeah, I think that's it. It's not just a phone. It's happening everywhere. Yeah. 
And you know, one, you one thing that I, I thought I would say I would, real quick, I'll make this super fast. I think we also give a little bit too much credit to government and law enforcement for what their capabilities are. They have the hardest time making a decision on what time to have lunch. Let's just get that square. <laughs> if you ever want to see what pure law enforcement bungling was, it, go on Netflix right now and watch the story of Willie and Sal from Miami. Okay? And the reason why I bring that specifically, growing up as a kid in that exact time frame, all we ever heard was the fear and like there was all these cop shows about, you know, the narcos taking out, you know, these drug dealers and the war on drugs. That was just, it was just very, very talked about at our, you know, my age bracket. Those guys went basically undetected for like 25 years. They were the largest importers of illicit drugs in the nation and nobody even knew who they were. So it's funny, but I think we might be giving our law enforcement a little bit too much credit and the stuff that they would be able to do to become Gestapo-like, as everyone likes to say, we're at a different time and place. I don't think they have as much power as people think they do. All right. And uh, I, I we should be very clear. Nobody is advocating that, you know, child, this... child abuse or, or child pornography. Yeah. And that's the problem with using this as the reasoning for this is if you say, no, 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 we want to protect privacy. People assume that you're saying, uh, screw the children. That's not what we're, not what anybody is saying. It's just yeah. a very difficult problem because and again, it's it is a slippery slope. It is the beginning of some sort of surveillance on a device that contains the most private information in your life and do, and do we want to where do we where do we draw the line i guess is the question go ahead sam uh, uh, you know doc's right you know that I, I agree that we probably do give um you know law enforcement and, and government more credit for their capabilities than than is probably deserved but on the, the flip side of that you know there that doesn't mean that there is no one within government um, or, you know, as I said earlier, you know, that there won't be someone within government that will have the, the capability or the desire to use it and, and misuse it. And having that technology available to them, I think, you know, it does set a very dangerous precedent in terms of the kind of society we want to live in. You know, I think – Life inherently has some risk associated with it. Not, and I'm not saying that you know that we want to put our kids at risk. Absolutely not. But you know, I I don't think we can. I don't think we we can ever you know get to a completely utopian society where nobody does anything wrong. But I think you know letting letting our leaders you know whether you know whether they're in government or, or law enforcement get the tools to um, to try to achieve that, I think will inherently invite the potential for abuse of that, you know, whether it's at, you know, on a large scale or on a small scale, I, I don't think that that's the kind of abuse that we want to try to, that we want to allow, that we want to enable with, um, with those in power. All right. It was a great conversation and we're obviously not going to solve this problem. I suspect this is going to be a conversation <laughs> that will appear on uh, every show on the network this week. In fact, it's all we're going to read about for some time to come. I wonder if Apple will uh, respond to this pressure or just go full speed ahead, which is typically uh, what Apple does. They just kind of ignore uh, 
I have to say, Nekmec's response, which is telling Apple, ignore the shrieking protests and go full speed ahead, was a little tone deaf. Um, <laughs> you, you know, there, this is a conversation. I think you're exactly right, Stacey. This is something we have to talk about. We have to figure out. And we have to think about deeply. I'm sure Apple has, but they need to talk to us a little bit more about their thinking. And I would like to hear assurances that we're going to draw the line. This is not going to... This, this this isn't the beginning of uh, incremental uh, loss of privacy across the board. Well, you'll and you'll have to do the same things we did with, uh, and, and these are breaking down. This is why we also need to address this, um, like the FISA courts, and you know, we have to set parameters in place so people don't abuse it because we know they will. There, but just to say that we're here at this juncture, it is scary. And we know that if we change things, things are going to change and some people will abuse it. We have to decide if we're going to move forward or not yeah. and, and fix this. Yeah. It's really uh, challenging. I'm glad we had uh, this talk. I'm glad we had this talk. We'll have more in just a little bit. <laughs> Stacy is here. It's great to have her. Stacy Higginbotham from This Week in Google and Stacy on IoT, her great IoT podcast. Doc Rock. The creator, youtube.com slash Doc Rock with his purple mic. Purple everything. Yes. <laughs> black outfit with purple. I like it. It's a good black and purple. Good combination. Vibranium. Vibranium? Really? Is that it? All right. No, no. I, I support the Alzheimer's.org. Oh, that's, that's right. Alzheimer's is purple. Yeah. The Alzheimer's, yeah. While I tell you about Kevin Rose's new podcast, Kevin came to us and said, you got to tell him about modern finance. I said, Kevin, I know about modern finance. I'm a huge fan in fact you'll remember this stacy when we started talking about nfts which was all the rage a few months ago i was confused but the very first episode of mofi as we fans of the podcast call it was all about nfts and it made it very clear to me the investment world the world of modern finance has changed dramatically not just nfts there's bitcoins there's robo investors how do you know how it works what's right for you what it even means Kevin Rose is the guy to explain it. Modern finance helps to demystify crypto, decentralized finance, and more. Uh, of course, you know Kevin Rose from his years on the screensavers on Tech TV, and he's been on all of our shows many times. Uh, we love having Kevin on whenever he can. He's a venture capitalist. In fact, according to uh, Bloomberg, one of the top 25 angel investors in the world, he uh, currently at True Ventures. He was at Google Ventures for a while. He has his own startups, a number of them, all of which were very successful. Time Magazine called him one of the top 25 most influential people on the web. I think he's, I consider him a true friend, but also I think he's very, very good at, at interviewing people, at explaining things. This is a show, if you're interested in crypto, this is the show for novice and expert alike modern finance they do two something interesting too two shows on the one feed they do a weekly consensus episode that's uh, exploring weekly news explains what it all means makes it breaks it down for you the other is an interview episode with individual crypto founders nft artists and others so between the two you're going to get a very good understanding of what's going on in modern finance Modern finance will equip you to discuss and understand the crypto landscape and, maybe even more importantly, know whether or not to invest and how you should invest and what the risks are. Feel informed about what you're 
getting into it. Don't miss out, miss out on the next big thing. Join Kevin Rose on Modern Finance every week. You don't want to miss a beat. The Modern Finance Podcast. I, you know, MoFi.net is the website. I call it MoFi, but it's probably best to search for Modern Finance on your favorite podcast application. Make sense of all the coins and the chaos. The financial landscape is harder than ever to navigate, but you don't have to do it alone. Download and subscribe to Modern Finance wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Modern Finance on every podcast player known to me. Don't be the last person on the next train out. Listen to Modern Finance and get ahead of the future of finance. I'm really proud of Kevin. In fact, I strongly suggest uh, not only subscribing to get the new episodes, but going back and listening to some of the earlier episodes. That first episode on NFTs, as I said, absolutely clarified this in my mind. He's very good at explaining this stuff. Modern finance. MoFi. I love it. What do you think, Stacey? <laughs> Am I a optimist or a pessimist? I think... I can't tell because you're often a devil's advocate, so I really don't know. <laughs> Good. I, I Good. truly don't. I feel like I th- I want to believe that you think people are inherently good, but you're aware that they're foibles they and suck. that yeah. sometimes exactly. they suck. I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm absolutely acutely aware of the paradox of human nature. <laughs> I was going to say realist, which is kind of the same. You know, when people say, hey, is it half full or half empty? I'm like, it's always full. And like, what do you mean? Because the other half is air, dummy. <laughs> Actually, you're kind of like the engineer. So they say the optimist says a glass is half full. The pessimist says the glass is half empty. The engineer says the glass is the wrong size for the water, obviously. You've got to redesign it. There you go. <laughs> You've got to redesign the glass. Retool everything. Retool. I, I, I like to say that I'm hopeful but not optimistic. Oh, God. I become, I honestly, and I know, Stacy. maybe you missed it. No, I think you were here for it. I'm starting to get more and more dejected over the state of the world, but that might just be uh, something that comes I think that's just age. the state of the world right now. Maybe it like is. 2020 really just oh, threw us God. off to like... God. I used to be an optimist. Then happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's a combination of that and getting older. Yeah. Getting Thank older. you, Stacey. There I didn't want to be the, older. The, the old cranky old man yelling at the clouds. I always thought, I get it. Me neither. Way. I never wanted to be that back in my day. And now I find myself you saying it. it all the time. You do it. And it, the other one that's really classic, I find myself doing this. Hey, you see my glasses? <laughs> Which my dad used to do. We all thought them. was hilarious. It's on your head. They're right on my head. Yep. Always. Yep. It cracks me up now. <laughs> do you do that? Yes. And it's, it's, it's kind of scary. And then I'm just like, my dad's probably looking down going, yep. uh-huh. <clears throat> what you say now, homie? <laughs> I visited my dad on uh, Monday. I hadn't seen him in a while. He's uh, 88. I visited him for his 88th birthday. And I wrote him a note saying, every day... I see more and more of you in me. <laughs> it's really true. As I get older, I go, it's I look in the mirror, I go, Dad, what are you doing there? <laughs> scary. I think someone from your audience sent me a mechanical. I, oh, I'm not, I'm not wired. Somebody sent you a keyboard? Oh, my God. A tester, God. so I can oh, get tester. my keys. Oh, those are great. Oh, is that See, the, on the third row it? all the way to the right? I have those Gateron Browns. They're a nice combination. I like the, the I like the, the third row MX all the way Brown. to the end. Yeah. Wow. You yes. really know right this. This, that this is this is the hard part. Like, which way do I do it? This way? Oh, just look for anyone that's brown on the edge in three. Because yeah, I brown just saw on it. The edge and, in three. I don't have that option. So this this oh. is are these Cherry MX switches? 
No, this is a uh, this is a bunch of options. Oh, it's not just yeah. cherry switches. Cherries and other brand and other brand. There's Alps. <laughs> there's cherry. Uh, Gateron. There's some people. Gaterons are definitely in there. People yeah. used to say cherry the was switches. the best, but I think there's better ones now than cherry, right? What do you yeah, like? Cherry's kind of older, but yeah. I, my favorite thing about Gateron Browns is they have the feeling of blues, which all of us old DOS keyboard, Matthias keyboard people, yes. they're kind of in that blue red game. It has that same feeling, but not as noisy. And it's super funny that I have this on my desk because my project is to take this sucker apart and lube it, which will make it quieter. Wait a minute. You shouldn't lube your keys. That sounds like a bad idea. No, it's a lot of work. You got to take them graphite? apart. But, what are you lubricating it with? Um, there's What's the word? I can't say the word. It's a, it's a weird thing. Okay. Um, so I want to say diacrylic, but that might not be oh, the right word. That's a, keyboard nerds. There you go. Dimethicone. Wasn't that, that what was in the old to... contact cold remedy? Was dimethicone? Oh, that's cymethicone. No, <laughs> dimethicone's in hair and makeup stuff <laughs> to make it slippery on your skin and hair. It's possibly it. I don't want the keyboard people to come after me, but I watch all Let's of the keyboard people on, on, uh, on YouTube now. And so I already got the keyboard puller. I got everything I need to take apart all these switches. And I just bought some purple switches. But they're a little smooth. Doug M in our chat room says, Man, hipster keyboards are as much work as a hipster beard. Hey. <laughs> oh, more and more expensive. You need the comb, you need the wax, you need the special shampoo. I, I remember I was going to grow a beard. And this is very typical of me. Before I do something, I say, Well, I got to get all the stuff so that I can do it. So I have beard comb, I have beard wax, I have beard, all the beard stuff. And then. Lisa said, "You're not. Oh, you're not growing a beard. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I have the stuff, <laughs> but I don't have the beard. I had pushback for like a month, and I was like, just let it go, let it go. We see what happens. I had pushback for like a month. This is like 2012, and now and she's okay with came it. In, oh, loves it, okay. loves it. Now okay. she's like, oh, this is the greatest thing. Don't yeah, take it, it off. Softer. I won't recognize it. It's yeah, softer. it gets softer. Yeah. It's only stubbly for like a month or so, and then it's softer. But the number one thing you can't wash with like regular no." People hair shampoo. You have to, you use, have to special use beard, beard shampoo. shampoo. I have it yeah, all because there's a big difference. Sam, I don't think in this, Ypsilanti this is, there's is, much is, of that going on. <laughs> oh, oh no, we got we have lots of hipsters around here. That's we have no shortage of that. Oh, okay. But this this is also why you know I just take a beard trimmer through my beard once a week or so. That's all you do, and I don't have to do any other maintenance. You know. Does Andrew have a beard, you know, Stacy? Quick, quick through. Oh no, no, no. You wouldn't tolerate that. He, I think he's going to get laser his neck lasered, so he, so he never has ever to shave his neck again. Yeah. Wow. I know. That's he's uh, not. I, that makes I, him I sound been clean fancier than he is. Forty years. <laughs> really? Forty years? You haven't? Sh- you've had a beard for forty years? Um, almost. Now you almost can't 40, shave because no one knows what you look like. Since I was eighteen, yeah. If you shaved, people I go, know. who the hell is that? My, my wife. My wife wouldn't recognize. She me. would not recognize you. She's never seen me without a beard, so except my in, like, dad, in, a, in a high school yearbook photo. My dad had a mustache and a beard my entire life, and then he shaved his beard, and we were all like really weirded out. And then, like when I went away to college, I guess at one point in time he shaved his mustache, and we did recognize him. I'm pretty sure your family would recognize you, Sam, but they would be like, <laughs> "But what? I recognize He's you, but." Wrong. I don't What's like wrong? it. What's going on? Here? <laughs> I know who you are, but I don't like you. How about the Pixel Six? This is an interesting uh, story because I, I compare. I want one. 
Yeah. Well, first of all, so do I. It makes me want one. Yeah. But I compare it to what Apple does, which is zip, not nothing. We know pretty much there'll be an iPhone 13. It'll be next month, and you know we'll know basically be thinner, faster, lighter, the best phone we've ever made. We know all that stuff. But Apple is, you know, they they literally there there was a guy in China who was sharing pictures of the prototypes that Apple sends to case manufacturers. Apple sent him a cease and desist, said, we're going to turn you into the Chinese government. you got to tell us where you got those. I mean, they're dead serious. You don't mess with them. So Google, which has a leak problem as well, has apparently taken the opposite point of view. If you're going to leak it, we better leak it first. So Google invited a number of journalists. I always call them tame journalists. People they know are going to be positive about it. In to sit down with Rick Osterloh, who's their hardware chief, and and get a demo. They weren't allowed to record it. They weren't allowed to, you know, do anything. They basically had to sit and listen to Rick, who's great. I like Rick, but it ended up being a basically a puff piece for the Pixel Six. But they showed it. We we now know what it looks like. In fact, there's even a page on the Google Store of the Pixel Six, even though it won't be out till October. Is this a good strategy? Who's who's got the better strategy, Stacey? Apple or Google? I I feel like Google always accidentally leaks their own stuff. Anyway. So I'm like, you know what? Just they they recognize they're not good at this. Let's just let them have it. I think also it's a good way to gin up some excitement over a phone that has not been exciting for the last two years. Yes, you that was, put, that was you put a conversation space in there. I'm mean, not a conversation space. You put a placeholder in someone's brain because yes, mm-hmm. uh, I had the benefit of being September 12th. So every year from my birthday, there's a new oh, iPhone announced the day before, like normally the day before or the day of somewhere, you know, it starts at about the 10th, right? So depending on the calendar, I'm normally within a couple of days and then that's exactly what I get for myself every year. It's always two weeks later, whatever. But what they've done here for someone who's not in a tech space is not going to buy two phones. They basically put a conversation holder. And it's like, I was really, really thinking about getting this car, but now I know this other car is coming. Or I was thinking about getting this phone, now I know this other phone is coming. And We so, talked yeah. about this on uh, MacBreak Weekly on Tuesday, and somebody in the chat room pointed out, Apple, if they pre-announce will kill sales of their existing phone. Like that's just, and they're still selling the iPhone 12 like hotcakes. Google Google probably decided we can't get much worse <laughs> than the sales of the and Pixel 5. They got nothing to lose. Uh, they did, by the way, apparently they're going to announce a 5A in the next couple of weeks, which is bizarre. <sighs> kind of bonkers. <laughs> well, you said it on Weekly. They don't have a strategy. Their strategy is what, no strategy. What should we so. do? What should we do? Just do? They did announce a new chip. They were very cagey. They didn't really say what I think is the case, which is that Samsung is making this chip. It will be based on an Exynos, but have tense. They're going to call it the Google Tensor because there will be machine learning capability. The, of course, TPUs, the Google Tensor units, are, uh, are machine learning units that Google offers on the cloud, hence the naming. Uh, maybe Why do be... you think it's an Exodus? Oh, that seems to be the consensus is that, well, we know Samsung's, Samsung's going to make it. Uh, it I, I think the consensus is they're just going to add some capabilities to an existing uh, Samsung design, but we don't know. Okay. Oh, That's well, it point. does say that they did their own SOC as opposed to their own application processor. Never mind. Okay. That's I, I was just curious because I see what I'm saying. That. Okay. But, yeah. and, and Samsung's I see, making I see it. Now where you're going. So who's doing yeah. the CPU? 
Samsung, probably, right? I mean, it's it's going to be something it that's still you know, be ARM instruction set based. And I guess it could be. Yeah. Will Samsung, would Samsung make a, yeah. a chip that's got the Qualcomm? I guess it could. Huh? It doesn't. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, Sam. As, as long as Qualcomm's getting yeah, paid yeah. by Google, they don't care. You know, for for the <laughs> design. Yeah. Yeah. In Samsung, before their Exynos line had gotten all tweaked out, they actually did some of their phones with Exynos, and some they just continued to use the Qualcomm. U- U.S. Like phones always have Qualcomm because Qualcomm has the patents on the uh, LTE CDMA. and stuff, right? They need to use no, that CDMA. in the U.S. CDMA, and then in the rest of the world, they usually put Exynos in their own processor. But yeah, they continue <gasps> to buy Qualcomm, but, but only now in the that, U.S. Now that the CDMA is done, being turned off. Yeah, yeah. Do, yeah. do, do we even, do even need that component tree in there? What's What's Qualcomm going to do? Anyway, well, uh, they still have plenty of LTE patents and five G patents. Yeah, they've got other patents. Plus, they've broadened out into Wi-Fi and all right. these other. They make videos, other so. stuff. But, yeah. What about the bump? So, uh, you all three just said, "Oh, I can't wait to get one." But it's, it's, Google's doubling down on the camera bump. They're making it the camera bump bar. It's going all the way across the phone. I think it's a nice design decision around something that you have to deal with. It solves that problem. So, yeah. You know I, why I, you know, I like I, it? I love my Nexus 6P. Yeah. And so, it, Leo, it had a bar. Did it? You, you know when we hold this, right? We have yeah. it in our hand, yeah. right? Yeah. You could actually use that as a as a thing. You, you know, could rest I'm the press bar on, the, on your. I'm gonna press on the bottom of the yeah. of the bump as I hold it in order actually, to get. I like you know, that because then I won't put my. I always have my finger on the lens. <laughs> I mm-hmm. don't know why. Something about the way the phone naturally is held. It held is my fingers right there. So having a bump might help with that, right? Yeah, put the. And the DJ is me and just going crazy about what I could do with the bump bar. <laughs> the bump, the bump, bump, bump. <laughs> It's going to have the bump. You know, will have back, uh, cameras all the way along it. It looks like they're going to have uh, three uh, yeah. lenses. They said. Are they all cameras, or some yeah. of them? Back, back when others, they did the Nexus Six P, yeah, sensors. Yeah, when when they did the Six P, we had you know images that leaked out you know months before, as as you would expect, and you know in those images, it looked like that bump actually stuck out a lot further than right. it actually did in reality. Right. Yeah. I, I mean. In this case here, you know, I think it is still pretty prominent, but, you know, it had a bar that went across the entire, it was it was at the top of the phone, not partway down, but, you know, it still effectively had a bar all the way and it was fine. I had no, no issues with it. And, you know, that was, that was the first uh, bar is better than that I had you know, I before that I had others, I other brands. Yeah. Um, when you go to lay it flat on stuff, sockets. the bump just makes right. it rock. Right. Whereas the bar will not cause as much rocking. It looks like drives me insane. And you're right. People put pock. I don't, but there are people, many of them. <laughs> ah, she's got a pop socket. So <laughs> I'm just saying that it's, you know, the bump I, is not going to interfere with the pop sto- socket. It's, I, I, I just, it stops me from wireless charging. It, it doesn't slide into my pocket, right? I don't. I never have understood the. Actually, pop I side. think the bump is going to help you with wireless charging, Stacy, because again, now your index finger will have a nice little know right where to like go. guide way yeah. between where the to put bump it. and the socket. Yeah. yeah, they'll have to make a new cradle that's a little shorter to go under the bump. Otherwise, it'd be tilted. I don't know. Uh, so mine's a three A, so I don't actually have wireless charging. Yeah. I'm waiting for this phone. Yes. This is the phone y'all are I, waiting for. Actually, I'm waiting for it, I have a five. 
Yeah, I have a. I bought the four XL, and I didn't buy the five because it didn't seem like much of an upgrade from that. You know, a, a lot of people complained. You know, a lot of reviewers complained about the seven sixty five Snapdragon in the in the five. I oh, have not fine. had an issue with it. It's got it's, it's got plenty of performance. Yeah. Yeah, the the only issue with it is you know when you're when it's doing the image processing after you take a photo, it takes a little bit longer to process the HDR. But you know I'm doing other stuff anyway. I'm not immediately looking at every image anyway, so I don't. It doesn't matter. The new Tensor system on a chip will have uh, massive improvements in AI. Rick Osterloh, this I almost hate to repeat. The, the complete marketing <laughs> BS, but I guess I will, that Tensor unlocks the ability to run data center level AI models locally on the chip without connecting to the cloud. And he did what do the a heck demo. What does that even mean? I, it's BS. I have no idea. It's marketing <laughs> schmutz. I mean, yeah. Talk to me when you can it's, do data fully center buzzword level compliant. training on the phone. Yeah, I don't know. That's what I yeah. like. I'm like, yeah, data center. I mean, inference, mean? you can do it anywhere. Yeah. It, you, your only limit is the number of models you can run. I mean, you can't. And the, and the size of your cost. storage. You and gotta, your battery, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So <laughs> but, they did you know, demonstrate to for, Gizmo. For what it's worth, that I was just going to say, for what it's worth, you know, the, the TPUs, you know, have been used in data centers for a long time. Sure. And actually, Google's not the only one that uses TPUs. Uh, NVIDIA builds TPUs into a lot of their SOCs as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're very highly regarded for doing that type of, the, you know, the matrix math processing that's required for processing neural networks. Well, that's interesting. I uh, thought... So, you I, know, I think it's a good thing to put in there. I thought Google owned... Tensor processing unit. It's it's a generic word. Well, they, I, I think they they develop they developed it. Okay, but yeah, they I designed think they it. license it to oh, Nvidia okay. and others. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's it's, it's the kind, kind of like ARM. It, the, you know, the, ARM. Yeah. 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 TensorFlow yeah. or whatever the heck they call TensorFlow. It. You know, yeah, that's that they, was. They like to have their own little special words. Yes, Tensor. <laughs> well, no, TensorFlow is a yeah, specific well, t- TensorFlow. Framework, I think is, the, is yeah, the that's their framework. software. So is TPU. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, but ten, well, TPU, the TPU, TPU is the tensor processor. processing unit is the yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to sidetrack it. It's just how I remember that Google did somewhere. it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's th- you know it's it's like the neural engine in the uh, Apple A series Apple stuff, you correct. know, or Qualcomm's got their own uh, AI cores. You know, so it's it's an it's an AI optimized processing core. So uh, one of the uh, groups that got to go in uh, with Rick Osterloh, uh, Sam Rutherford from Gizmodo, and he did get a demo of the Tensor chip that I thought, okay, that's a good selling point. Uh, Rick played a video of somebody giving a presentation in French. Now, in the past, Google still has live captioning, right? So you could watch that video and it would live caption it, but it would live caption it in French. Now, you can not only run live caption, but you can also put it in interpreter mode, and the thing can translate in real time while it's putting a caption up on a video. And apparently did quite well, and that's kind of amazing. That's a reason to get that, I think. Uh, There's also a a new voice dictation feature in uh, the Google Keyboard, Gboard, that lets you speak instead of type while texting. Well, we've always had that. But the Pixel 6 can uh, correct mistakes in real time. Um, I think that's always been there. But maybe that's something they showed off. I guess maybe something they're going to do better. Anyway, so you you think this was a good strategy on Google's part because it's it's got, got you to pause. 
instead of buying, I you know, here's the thing: Google is going to sell a 5A all of a sudden. They've been, they've they've announced it. <laughs> August 26th is the rumor. Four hundred fifty dollars. Um, so maybe there is a phone for them to to kill. <laughs> well, except you know, apparently the the five A is, is running uh, a Sam a Snapdragon seven sixty five, which right. is the same thing that's in the four A five G and the five. So what is the difference between the four A five G and the five A? Always the problem I've had with I guess the price. Is the biggest difference, yeah? Um, uh, yeah, four four A five G is what four ninety nine. Yeah, this is four fifty. Okay, so fifty is fifty bucks cheaper. <laughs> well, hey, I you know you know what I think we we've come to the conclusion in this segment. Google is just confused <laughs> as hell. You, you know, I, maybe their um, phone strategy is just optimized for something else that we can't yeah, fathom. So we don't see. <laughs> that we they're, don't know. they're doing that. What is that multi level chess thing? Or they're doing like twin speak where the twins understand each other? Yeah. yeah. It's 4D um, chess. You know, and, Andy mentioned that that he he just wanted Apple to tell us because, you know, we're not children and it's not Christmas anymore. <laughs> Andy, you know I love you, but I'm going to fight you on that because I actually missed the days of not knowing when something was coming and then waking up to this fantastic news and everyone's, you know, all I bet the, you, you know, like waiting in line for stuff, too. No, I don't. Oh, I can't okay. stand it. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a line honest, I pre-ordered. I kind of missed that. The Apple lines were always fun. You'd meet interesting people. They're fun. Yeah, but not just standing, standing, not doing nothing. The Apple lines were fun because you can do stuff. We and when that out. was a thing... I was line. working at Apple, so I got to go up and down the live and hand out water oh. and brownies and, you know, make people laugh because nobody thought they were going to get anything. And so we were always cool because we would order like, hey, the Starbucks is there. Can you guys bring over 300 iced teas? Oh. And they're like, what? <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, we're not joking. Nice. 300 iced teas and clean out the pastry cabinet. Just bring that and a couple of those things of coffee. And we just have Starbucks feed like the whole line. And every so shock and awe, right? That was our thing during the John Ronson years was shock and awe. <laughs> Do you remember, wasn't, wasn't it you, John, that we camped out at the uh, Apple store? God, that must have been for the four or something. I mean, it was a long time ago. We went there the night before. You had, you'd kind of camped out um, in Santa Rosa. <laughs> On a recliner. That was the last time I think we waited in line. <laughs> the recliner? <laughs> the recliner. Hey, you got to be comfortable, right? Yeah, I think the last line was 4S. If I remember correctly, the 4S? last line was 4S. Everything after that, we've been on, like, you know, order it ahead of time, get it at home kind of thing. It is impressive because uh, Apple solved that problem where companies like NVIDIA and Intel and AMD and others are still suffering and, and unable to make these these devices although uh tim cook did warn in the analyst call last week that uh, the chip shortages for the legacy nodes the non-apple custom chips uh might in fact cause uh, a short supply for some of these new iphones when they come out so that might happen sam are the chip uh, is the chip shortage easing up i know you cover this not no like you, not yet. No, because it's it's automotive as well. A lot of automotive. It, it's hitting oh, a lot hard. of industries. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, you know, in, here in Southeast Michigan, we've got storage lots full of tens of thousands of vehicles that are waiting. You know, that are basically built just waiting to add one more ECU in there, wow. two more ECUs. You know, because they're missing some chips and 
as with Apple, you know, it's oftentimes it's those legacy components. You know, in an ECU, you'll have a microcontroller in there and you might have three, four or five other chips on that board, you know, that are often, you know, older style components that could be anywhere from 28 to 90 nanometers. Um, you know, so they're old parts that are still being used. And though that's often what is missing from a lot of these vehicles. Let me take a little break. We have more with our fabulous panel, Sam Abul-Samad, our car guy, Stacey Higginbotham, my IoT guy, and Doc Rock, my rock and roll guy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> my purple guy, my Ecamm guy. <laughs> our show today brought to you by ZipRecruiter. There are hiring guys, according to Forbes, Jim's nail salons, mom-and-pop stores, and more set to go on epic hiring sprees in the coming months because there's pent-up demand for all these services. I know I walk down the street in Petaluma. Every single restaurant has a sign in the window saying, Help Wanted. Help Wanted. I'm excited about getting to go back to the movies or go back to the gym or maybe go out to eat. Well, there are millions of jobs that will have to be filled first. So where do these businesses turn to fill these roles fast? I got to tell you, putting the sign in the window, probably not the best method. What about ZipRecruiter? Right now, you could try ZipRecruiter free at ZipRecruiter.com slash twit. One post on ZipRecruiter casts the widest possible net, posts your job listing on 100 plus job sites, job boards, so you're going to get out to the largest number of people. And by the way, including social networks, the most people will see it. But don't worry, you're not going to get flooded with applications coming into your inbox or, uh, or into your phone calling you at home. They all go into the ZipRecruiter interface, which is great because that means ZipRecruiter do some, do some very cool things. First of all, ZipRecruiter's matching technology will scan resumes across its network of millions of job seekers. And if there's a match, if that candidate fits your open role, they'll actually proactively invite them to apply for your job. That's pretty cool. And the interface means not only do you not get the phone calls or the emails, it's very easy to review all the applicants. They pre-format the resumes. I know this from firsthand experience. We use ZipRecruiter all the time. They pre-format the resumes, makes it easy to read. You probably have some, you know, absolute musts. You can pre-screen candidates with yes, no questions, multiple choice, even essay questions. So you can eliminate people who just don't fit your needs exactly. You can easily review recommended candidates from ZipRecruiter, invite your top choices to apply for your job. That encourages them to apply faster. According to ZipRecruiter's internal data, jobs where employers invite candidates to apply get two and a half times more candidates. And that's good for you. The more choices you have, the better you'll be able to pick the exact right person. ZipRecruiter's technology is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. I have to say, for us, we've done this several times now. I can remember Lisa posting at breakfast, and within an hour or two, we get, I love it because she goes, Oh, this person's great. Oh, this person's great. We get great candidates within the first few hours before lunch. Before lunch, right now you can try ZipRecruiter for free. We have a very special offer for you at ZipRecruiter.com slash twit. Please use that address. I want them to know you heard it here. ZipRecruiter.com slash T-W-I-T. 
Help yourself out. Make hiring a pleasure, not a pain. ZipRecruiter.com slash twit. ZipRecruiter is, and I can vouch for it, the smartest way to hire. Uh, let's see. Well, I got some more Google stories as long as we're in the Google verse. All the things you missed, Stacy, on this week in Google. Actually, I take it back. We never talk about Google on this week in Google. Yeah, I was yeah. like, "What are you talking about, man?" <laughs> we never talk about them. Did you get your two dollar and fifteen cent check? The I Google, did not. <laughs> the Google Plus class class action. <laughs> so remember, yeah. there was a, a privacy breach. The Google uh, exposed the private data of 52 million users in 2018. They got sued. It was a class action suit. Actually, I, I don't, you were on the show at the time. I remember we talked about this. There was this first small breach of like 100,000. And then all of a sudden, there was this huge breach of millions. And um, since nobody's been working on Google Plus anyway, Google's fix for it was just to shut the whole thing down. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's it. It's over. Um, the class action suit, Matt Maddock and Zach Harris versus Google filed October 2018, blamed Google's lax approach to data security. Uh, the case settled in June of last year. Google agreed to pay out $7.5 million. Now it's time for math. Here's your math problem. Take out half that money, three and a quarter, for legal fees, <laughs> you know, the lawyers are the ones who get rich on these. Uh, uh, 1.7 million people filled out the right forms by October 2020. So you divide the three and a quarter million by 1.7 million and you get a whopping $2.50 per person. <laughs> Congratulations. You're a winner. No, we I know we make fun of this, but you do have to have some incentive to get people to file class action suits, right? Because otherwise, why the heck would you do it? Yep. And they can be a deterrent to the type of things like arbitration or uh, lackluster approaches towards privacy. All of these things like this will help deter it. I yes. mean, I don't love them. I'm just like, we always mock it. But I got a bag of pop chips once. That was cool. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I get these checks every once in a while. I don't, I don't even cash them. It's like two bucks. Really? Okay. It's not worth the hassle. It's not worth the hassle. Okay. The there's no hassle to cashing checks. Y'all, you just take a picture of it. You sign it, you take a picture and it goes to your bank it's account. Like, it's not okay. like you have to drive to the bank okay. anymore. So if but, you see well, a my, penny my on the charges 50 cents for, for doing a, uh, a mobile deposit. Oh, that's even well. You got to get it first of bank. all. You need to get a better bank because that sucks. But <laughs> if you were walking down the street, Stacy, and you saw a penny on the ground, would you reach down to pick it up? Not a penny, but if I saw a quarter, I a quarter. 100 would. Not a nickel. Would you reach out for a nickel? Oh, so hard to say. A dime? Maybe. <laughs> you think a quarter? You know what, though, though? I I have been really lucky. I have found like a hundred dollar bill in the ground. There you go. I, I'd I reach actually, down to pick that up. I gave it to the restaurant where I found it. And I was like, hey, Aww. we found this. But I, I find money on the street all the time. And usually it's like in places where I think I know where it belongs. So I give it back to people. But every well, now and then. I, uh, Lisa and I were at the grocery store. I let She went in and I parked. I got out of the car. And there on the ground was a packet uh, for, with a bank. Uh, you know, those packets that they get, put the money in. And mm -hmm. I opened it up and there was like $400 in there. And I thought, I'm rich. And I ran in to tell Lisa. She said, oh, thank you for finding that. That's mine. And she took it. 
<laughs> so that must have dropped out of my purse. To this day, I don't know if she was telling the truth. But anyway. You have to tell her, prove it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, prove it. What are the serial numbers? That's funny. It's been ages since I found any cash because who carries cash? Who carries anymore? cash? I, I definitely I don't. carry cash. I got caught out the other day and I was like, man, I just realized I haven't had cash in my wallet for like nine months. It was so weird. The, the other day we were going to the farmer's market and my wife asked if I had any cash and I was looking around, you know, looking, I found, managed to find like $12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have this big jar with pennies in it. I'll, uh, <laughs> so um, when we were in Hawaii, actually, I, that really sealed the deal with the Apple Watch because, you know, Hawaii was under some pretty strict still COVID uh, regulations when we were there. We had a show, of, you know, that we were vaccinated and everything. And you go into restaurants and stuff. And whenever I paid, there were people who wouldn't accept cash. But everybody took uh, Apple Pay or touchless payments. And I Apple Pay got good here. Man, ABC stores, baby. Just everything. You know, I would. it was almost like I didn't even pay for anything. I just go in, take stuff, get my spam... Uh, <laughs> What is it called? Mus Musubi. Musubi. I get my Musubi. spam Musubi. Tap to pay. I'm out of here, man. Oh, man. See, you had only the ones you buy from the store. The next time you come here, you I'll have Karen's mom me. make oh. you some. No, I have Karen's mom make some for you. Oh. And I guarantee you, you'll be looking for a house because they're good. <laughs> I'll tell you, even the ABC store. And I, the reason I bought it is the guy was stocking it. So it had just arrived. So uh, even the ABC it's store. It's the perfect hand food good. to just yeah. have around. And if you're going to go somewhere and be out all day and you don't know if you're going to get to eat, get just keep it in your backpack. Yeah. I keep them in my camera bag. Yeah. And then if you get stuck, you're good. If you not, then you won't save start. it for the next day. Yeah. What is it? It's spam. It's a thin layer of spam, spam on top of a big rice, blob of rice wrapped in seaweed. Right. And then nori, yes, or seaweed. Nori, yeah. And then you can get them with, if you're not a spam person, you can get it with chicken. Some people make them with little hot dogs, you know, so it's just all different types of stuff. And we actually stuff uh, miso pork in the middle and Ooh. just wrap the whole thing. Oh, so there's no actual good. meat on the outside. The miso pork is stuffed in the middle, Ooh. and then she wraps it in the ball, all and right. then you put the wrap That's around. That's onigiri. Yeah. Onigiri. That's my favorite um, snack food. Yeah. Onigiri. Yeah. So yeah. musubi and onigiri are basically the same thing, but same not thing. really. Yeah, I mean, very similar. Karen's Hawaii just adjusted it. On, man. I'm, going, uh, I'm coming back. I, I missed out. Damn. Yes, onigiri is life. Like, when I was going to college in Japan, that was life. You never leave anywhere without one because you just don't know when you might get stuck and you can't eat. And you just reach in your backpack exactly. and boom, hand food, let's go. Do you, I used do you, to bring them, and they're cheap and delicious. Do you speak Japanese, yeah. uh, Doc Rock? I think he's being self-deprecating, saying just a little, not that well, but you sure sounded like you spoke it to me. That's what you call Japanese culture. You have to do that. You got to self-deprecate self first and then, mo then moonwalk right over. Yeah, no, like, I, yeah, no, I don't yeah, speak I Japanese you. very well, but... <laughs> <laughs> now you got me. Uh, I only knew one phrase in Japanese when I went to Japan, and it was sumimasen. Nintendo. Nintendo. Oh. <laughs> no. What was it? Sumimasen? What does sumimasen Exa mean? Excuse me. Excuse oh. me. Excuse me. Very... It came in so handy. Yeah. Sumimasen. And you did it well, because most people don't say it correctly, and you actually said it very well. So, pickups to you, oh. Stacey. Thank give you. How's, a... how... Hold on. Let's see. Give that woman Oni... an onagiri. Onagai oshibas? Mm, on the guy, that, on the guy, is extremely, 
No, onigai itashimasu is extremely like formal, but if you just want well, omizu onigaishimasu, that's when you want a cup of water. Omizu onigaishimasu. That's what it was. Yes. Yes. Because I always had to ask for more water in Japan. Tiny little and, and, cups. Yeah, because the cups and, are so small. Throw in a deep bow, you know, to, to just to show your respect and you know. We're good. taking this show. I, on I the was road. very apologetic. We're going to Japan, and, and right. you guys are going to be on it with me. Oh, it's on! Sure. It's on! Let's go! I'd love to quit do Japan. It's happening. I would love to go back to Japan. I've been there in eleven years. So. Oh, I've it. only been a couple of times, but I loved it. Yeah, your daughter would probably enjoy it, wouldn't she? Sam, my friends live in Toyota Town, and they have a lot of people connected in the factory in IT. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, if you ever go, I can introduce you to some Toyota folks. Yeah, well, I, I've got lots of contacts at all all the automakers over there, uh, and uh, I work with them on a regular basis. So it's uh, it, I, I love I love the opportunity to go over there. The food is so good. Oh, I love it. So the minute you hear about electric Tacoma, please email me so I can start being <laughs> on the couch. Toyota's real slow on the electric vehicles, think, aren't no. they? What happened? Well, they were first, but they're slow. I mean, you know, the Prius, and then that's not the that same. That was it. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're big on hybrids. They sell a lot of hybrids. but uh, And, you know, they, they've been promoting hydrogen fuel cells, but they are they have never been big on battery electrics. Um, they, they didn't, you know, they're very in many ways, a very conservative company. And, you know, they just, they didn't trust the battery technology. And so they might be right after behind. hearing about fires with the Chevy bolts and yeah. Teslas and, <laughs> but they, they are launching, launching a series of new battery EVs starting next year. Oh. Their first one is a, a crossover called the BZ four X, which we've all begged them to change the name before it goes on sale. <laughs> busy. What uh, apparently uh, this week, uh, President Biden signed. I don't know what force of power it has an executive order saying none. It's zero, but yeah. it, it was kind of saying putting a flag in the sand, saying we want fifty percent of all vehicles sold in the U.S. by was it twenty thirty to be electric. Yeah, it's yeah tar- target of of fifty percent, forty to fifty percent of all new vehicle sales to be plug in vehicles. So. Battery electric and plug-in hybrids, and and most the reality is most of those are going to be battery electric. Um, Do you think and, that's a reasonable goal? But, it seems like I mean a I, lot. I know I, a lot of countries are saying a hundred percent. Yeah, well, the the industry is moving in the direction you know to to be ready to do that. You know, they're launching a, a whole bunch of new EVs over the next several years. They're converting plants that have been building gasoline cars for decades. To building EVs um, and uh, building battery plants, which is the other piece of this, because if you're going to build EVs, you got to have batteries. And so they're investing billions of dollars in new plants to build giant lithium-ion batteries. Um, so their 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 product planning is all on you know assuming that they're you know they're targeting getting to that 50% or more threshold by 2030. Um, but you know that's to do that, to make that a realistic proposition, you know, they they need some help, like on charging infrastructure, for example. We need a lot more chargers if we're going to have, you know, that many EVs on the road, and you know, some extra purchase incentives for consumers to make it more affordable, because you know they are still the 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 price gap is closing, but EVs are still more more cost uh, more costly to purchase than um, gasoline vehicles at this point. Uh, the New York Times says this is good for Tesla, bad for Toyota and other companies that are not yet on the EV bandwagon. Does that sound right? Tesla's, of course, all electric. 
all batteries. Yeah, Tesla. Yeah, Tesla's all EV. You know, a lot of other companies are moving in that direction. You know, GM has said they want to be <clears throat> all EV by the twenty early twenty thirties. Um, you know, Ford is you know planning to go mostly electric by that time frame. Stellantis, the Volkswagen. Um, you know, the the Japanese automakers. You know, oddly enough, are the the ones that are kind of the biggest laggards in this, yeah. particularly Toyota. Yeah. Um, one, one thing they say that's be, why Biden included plug-in hybrids yeah. as uh, in that goal because as a way to appease Toyota. Yeah, Toyota and and some of the other automakers and are also others, selling yeah, plug-in yeah. hybrids. Yeah, but Toyota in particular, you know, because they sell so many hybrids, such a big percentage of their sales now are hybrids. Uh, you know, especially some of their most popular cars, like the, the Toyota Rav Four. You know, a quarter of those in the U.S. now are hybrids, and in in Europe, uh, over half of Rav4 sales are hybrids now. It it outsells the Prius. The Prius is on its way out. You know, nobody's buying Priuses yeah. anymore. People are buying Rav4 hybrids instead. Interesting, because Rav4 has a little bit more style, a little bit more functionality, and a little bit more yeah, more more room. And, it's it's bigger. And here's the crazy thing: like having the i3 and then having an electric five series. I prefer the i3 better, even though the, the five is way more comfortable, doper ride, like the whole nine yards. It's just the idea of like, I might actually have to go to the gas station at some point. And yeah. that drives me crazy because I would rather never go. Well, and I'm sure, especially for you, you know, living in Honolulu, you know, the traffic is, is really bad. The i3, you know, it's got a nice small physical footprint. It doesn't take up much space on the room, on the road. It's going to be easier to park, easier to, to maneuver around in, a, in traffic. Oh, it was so epic. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cool little car. It's kind of weird looking to a lot it of people. It was funky to drive. I, I like but- it is weird looking. Lisa was in the market for an electric vehicle because Michael finally got his driver's license and is taking the Bolt. And uh, she looked at the i3. She said, I'm not going to buy that. It's too funny. So what did she buy? She bought a mini uh, Mini Cooper, which is basically an i3 with switches. Yeah. Well, it's cute. It's, it's got the it's got the i3 hardware in there, but in a cooler looking body. Yeah, yeah as I say, it's almost the same car. It just has a body kit. Yeah. Well, you know what the funny yeah. thing about it is, as funny looking and as ugly as that car was, I get more when I had when I was driving that thing around. I got more compliments out of that car really? than I get out of a gorgeous electric five series. Why? Number one. The circus bear mentality. Six foot two fifty dude climbs out of that thing, you know. And they're like, "You fit in there?" And I mean, I got, I fit. I got mad space in here because it's extremely spacious. It's, mm-hmm. it's freakishly spacious when you figure how small it is, right? Yeah, so it was, the, yeah. So it was one of those things that everybody. I think they were more freak, freaked out that how the heck did this middle linebacker get out of that little car? Oh my! But I, I, I actually it. It was did a great car. insist on sitting in the mini before uh, she bought it because I had to make sure I could get into it. It's pretty comfortable. I'm I'm looking forward yeah. to it. It's gonna be a lot of fun to drive. Um, not a lot of battery, but you know we don't go anywhere. So, well, I mean, when you need to go long distances, we'll take you take the, the Mustang, Mustang. Lucky or, exactly. or the Bolt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Can I ask Sam a question? Yes, since he's here okay. and he's an expert. I'm like that's right. Um, that's why oh. I was trying to sneak in my Toyota question. <laughs> I will open it up to everyone, including the chat room. But in like six months, I'm going to have to be giving up my car to my daughter, which means I get a new car. You're in the same boat we are. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a Tesla, one of the old original 
like Model 2013, S. 2012 yeah. Model yeah. S. Yeah. I love that car and I hate that car because I love it's dry. I love driving it. I want all electric, but it's too freaking big for me. I hate how big it is. So I would like a small, fun, all electric vehicle. Go. <laughs> um, I, I would definitely take a look at the Volkswagen ID4. Yeah, uh, you okay. drove that last week. Miles of range. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it's 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 definitely much more compact, but it's still roomy inside. Um, depending on what your timing is, uh, early early in the year, uh, Nissan's going to launch the Aria, uh, their own compact crossover. Depending on your budget, you might also want to look at the Polestar Two. Um, it's quite a bit smaller than the the Model S. Uh, it's really good to drive. It's quick. Um, the uh, Volvo XC40 Recharge. Uh, that's that's another battery EV. So there, there's a whole bunch of them that are coming to market. And of course, you know, if you if you decide that maybe going small is not what you want to do, you can also get a Hummer EV. <laughs> I asked Lisa if she'd get that. In fact, I actually tried to talk her into a Porsche Taycan. But I was going to say Taycan. That would have been my answer. Yeah, everybody seems to love <laughs> yeah. that car. Uh, here's yeah, a picture I, of I Lisa in her new oh, uh, in her new. Uh, Aston Cooper <laughs> yeah, Mini. There you go. Yeah, she's she really rocking out in that Mini. Yeah, mm-hmm. the uh, the Audi Q4 e-tron is another one to take a look at. Um, it's it's based on the same platform, same hardware as the VW ID4, but it's a little more stylish. You know, if you want something that looks a little more premium, so lots yeah, of choices. I, I, I hear Stacy taking notes. I, like it. I, I, I am. I'm taking notes. I I'm like, yes, <laughs> okay. This is good. This is exciting. No, I wanted the e-tron well, when they had the wagon version before they came out with the SUV version, and then it disappeared. I think it was an A3 e-tron. It was like a blue wagon. Uh, yeah, that was a plug-in hybrid. So that's that's yeah. based on the Golf. So, um, oh, I, I I don't know how I forgot this. The uh, the Hyundai Ionic Five is also coming out this fall, which is another one that's going to be really interesting because it's going to have uh, it uses. Uh, it's going to have 350 kilowatt charging capability, so you can charge it from 10 to 80 percent in about 18 minutes. Ooh. So, Stacy, you're on an island. Do you drive off the island, or is this just for getting I, around? Oh, I take my Tesla into the mountains. It's the best car. Oh, okay. Um, and you have a, char- a charger at home, obviously. I, I have I have a charger I have a charger at home, and then yeah. there's actually chargers like all along the Olympic Peninsula. Oh yeah, I love that car. Yeah, you get the supercharger network. Sam and I were talking about it on the radio show this week because. Uh, he was driving a Mustang Mach-E up in the, the, the wilds of Michigan and uh, found it a little hard to find those Electrify America chargers. That's, that's going to be the trick. Does, does the Biden executive order do anything about beefing up our electric charging network? Yeah, I mean, it, it talks about, you know, adding more EV chargers, you know, building out the charging infrastructure, adding, you know, they want to add 500,000 public charging wow. stations, which is great, except that you can't do that through an executive order. You know, that's, that's some, a lot of what was in the executive order is basically saying suggestions. You know, Congress, Congress, you know, you should do something about help this. me out here. We need to do something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You because know, Congress <laughs> has got to give some money first in order to, for them to do it. Yeah. I wish more, um, I, I mean this in the nicest way. I'm just thinking of an easy word to say. I wish more fossil heads would get their head around that electric vehicles will be very helpful and everyone goes well it costs more to do this this." so there's these weird you know mythical arguments of which costs more to run and which costs less to run one of the things i know living on an island with the way our weather works it's just the general wear and tear of driving from a combustion engine vehicle the stuff that drips onto the ground causes the asphalt not to really stick and Mm -hmm. pop out so i leo you were just here 
our government spends every single day patching like 3,000 potholes and they come back a month and a half later, right back out again. I saw them doing that. So that's one of the things that EVs will do better is because you're not dropping like caustic things onto the ground. And so the infrastructure will actually save more. Yes. Batteries are environmentally thing. Go ahead. Sorry, because I I would get upset because they don't understand that your gas thing is not just the gas and whatever, you know, using all the batteries or worse. That stuff dripping on the ground is extremely caustic. It just is. Or when you pick up your kids from school and you're idling because you're waiting for your kids, you're not poisoning all their little lungs. Right. I like. And, oh. and driving EVs, you know, because they've got that instant torque, you know, they the yes, way they so take fine. off is fantastic. You know, it it it, it feels so. Oh good. yeah, once and, you drive, you know, once you go electric, you like. never go back. I mean, it's really I never want to go. Yeah, back. I, yeah. yeah. I do miss the noise, you know, of a of a great <laughs> engine. But you know, I'm can, so deaf. With that. The Mustang has a switch to play recorded engine noise into the cabin. And I can't hear it. I don't know what's going on. It, I switch it. it the I, the IA does that too, right? Yeah. It has the fake noise. Yeah. And it, I'm like, Sam, can you yeah. hear it when you turn on the propulsion yeah. noise? I don't hear any I mean, noise at all. It's, it's not, you know, it's not as loud as what you get with a V8 Mustang. It doesn't sound like you know, my it Mustang. Is, it is a no. lot more subtle. Okay. But, it, you know, but and it's something that, you know, it's not just recorded engine noise. It's a it's a synthetic sound yeah, yeah. that is trying to evoke the feeling of, yeah, I just turn of driving off. a Mustang. I don't need that. Um, I like it. Yeah, it's, I like that. it's still pretty subtle. <laughs> you the can hire is, Michael Winslow to ride in the back seat and make the noise for you. The, the truth is... And I know this because traffic is a nightmare in Oahu, which sh- surprise shocked me. Uh, the real problem is not electric or gas. The real problem is private ownership of cars. I don't know if we're ever going to solve that problem. No, we're not. Because in a way, uh, you know, here, this is exactly what it is here. We we happen to be a place, uh, it's sort of a high immigrant population, right? Because of the way the island was, yeah. It's a very diverse away. island. Yeah. Right. It was controversially taken away. Many of the cultures got here in order to help run factories for Dole and uh, farms for Dole. Right. Plantations. And so when you honest. came from some place where people yeah. didn't have things, you get here, your first generation, you want to provide your kids things better than the next. Right. And so that everybody does. Right. But it's amplified here because of the whole American dream stories, whatever. I come from a place where I was walking, catching trains, or maybe even still riding a four-legged vehicle. And now I get to own a car. When my kids are old, I'm going to get them a car right away. So you have a large family, you got five or six kids and every kid gets a car. So it gets uh, it gets crazy. You can't keep doing that. You got to get your kids scooters. But nobody wants to sacrifice. I understand. Oh my goodness! I'm looking at a scooter that has a dumb name. It's called Scooter Tron something. Uh, scooter McScooterson or something crazy. Like that. <laughs> well, it's really uh, just it's a week, dumb name. I w- but I want uh, one. <laughs> I was in Traverse City uh, for uh, a conference this week, and they um, an old friend of mine. Um, Introduced was was working with uh, this uh, UK company called uh, Zap Scooters. They introduced their first uh, electric scooter. It's going on sale. They're going to start deliveries in Paris uh, later this month. Uh, and it's a really cool looking scooter. It's got about a 40 mile range. It'll go 
uh, I think it'll go up to about 50 miles an hour. Uh, but it's, you know, it's got removable batteries, so you can take the batteries out, you know, take them inside and charge them up. You can get spare batteries, just like you used to do with your with your Samsung phones, Leo. You can get spare batteries and Yay. stick them in there. And uh, it's it's actually in the uh, in the rundown here, uh, the uh, the Zap scooter, um, and uh, it's it's actually it's a it's designed as a more premium scooter, and it's a really cool looking design. And uh, I think you know it's definitely that that's the sort of thing that especially in cities, especially in crowded cities, I think you know we we need to get more people uh, adopting micro mobility. Uh, solutions, yes. whether it's I e-bikes agree. or I agree. You know, scooters or you know other small vehicles like that. Apparently, it is Scooter McScooterson. I'm not joking, man. It's called Rolly. The one that I saw is called the Rolly. It stands up by itself. It's got a gigantic fat wheel. Oh no! And I've seen I, the Rolly. The Rolly. I've never cared about this until I went to San Diego. The like a couple months before the situation, as I call it, and I ripped around San Diego for like a week and a half with just lime scooters. And I was like, I want this life. This is so cool. This is the Rolly, <laughs> Rolly Scooterson, the intelligent scooter. Oh, cool. I want that. It's so cute. And get off. It stands up by itself. What? Is like, it? Is it like a no Segway? Self-balancing? Oh. Yeah, self-balancing. Oh, that's neat. So it's like a little Segway scooter. How much are those? I don't know yet. Too much. I'm trying to find out. I love my e-bike. I stopped riding it because somebody got creamed on his bike on the on the bridge that I cross would cross to get here every day, and I just I feel like it's not safe anymore. So that's why I still drive a car. That's what, another reason why I say I was right. If more people would do the micro mobility, yeah, so you, you just be safer. This is a great conversation, Leo, because you've just been here. There's a lot of driving for things that are under a mile, and it drives me insane because I lived in Japan where you don't get in a car unless yeah, it's over right. two but miles. They have great mass transit. Two mile is the threshold. But there's a lot of places where you're just going to the store, the store is less than a mile away, but nobody will walk, everybody will drive, and that's what makes it crowded. It's the short trips that are obnoxious. Going to work and from work, we get that, but it's the everyday little short trips. And so Beaky, which is those little uh, mint green bikes you saw, has helped out a lot, but mostly the tourists ride them because they come from places that had bikes so we're still trying to get it out of the head that i need my own car and of course you saw the gigantic 2003 toyotas that are like lifted this high off the ground yeah. they look brand new but it's just obnoxious for an island like where are you going with that <laughs> so the rollies are between three and thousand and thirty five hundred bucks yeah, yeah it's on <gasps> they come in orange oh yeah you know there that. you go you Love like orange color. Or you prefer cyan, yellow, red, white, or carbon fiber? I might get orange. That'd be more visible. It might be more uh, visible. The Zap Scooter's on line 60 in the rundown, if you're interested. I'm I'm looking at it. It's beautiful. (sighs) Okay. But will it make it here, Sam? Yeah, it will be coming here next year. So they're rolling it out city by city. Maybe I don't need a car. Because if we had two cars There you go. My daughter could drive. Because... There you go. We have ended private ownership of vehicles on this show, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) No, I would privately own three vehicles in this case. (laughs) But one of them would be a Zap Urban Mobility vehicle. And the other's electric, but still. hmm. That's cool. Well, this is electric too, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, this is the one I was talking about. The batteries are removable. 
Uh, and and a, a lot of the uh, scooter companies, especially in Asia now, are doing removable batteries. Um, and there's a company called Gogoro that is, is setting up Uh-oh. Um, Uh-oh. Chart battery ha- swap stations. We have an Stacy attack. <laughs> what what happened, Stacy? Familiar with Gogoro? The prices? Oh yeah. Oh. So high. Yeah. yeah, so high. So high. Well, you can get a $2,500 tax credit on this one. On the but Zap this, this or one, on the Roller Row on, Go on Below? The, on, the, on the Zap. So this this one's, uh, this zap is their is premium model. Zap is $9,000, y'all, or $7,500 for the regular. But you get, yeah. but how much is the? $2,500 off of that. Um, but, you know, think think about what a, you know, just a regular e-bike costs these days. I mean, you're They're spending six thousand grand for well, yeah. e-bikes. Yeah. yeah. The, the new trick that I was looking at was six grand. Yeah, for a uh, trick, uh, roadway, roadway, something like that. But yeah. Okay, that's a fancy bike. <laughs> that's a trick, baby. Made in America. Well, well not know, really. But that's, that's a fancy <laughs> Part, bike. Parts of it are made in America. <laughs> yeah, the logo. <laughs> uh, let's take a little break so we can help Stacy pay for her Zap I-300. <laughs> Uh, our show today brought to you by Udacity. I know a lot of you uh, love technology. That's why you listen to our shows. I do too. That's why when Udacity uh, was launched in 2011, 10 years ago, they're just celebrating their 10th anniversary. I was really excited. It was started by a Googler who noted that a lot of the people were applying for jobs at Google, even though they came out of prestigious universities and got to fancy degrees in technology and computer science, didn't have the real skills that they needed to work at Google. So he started Udacity. He said, we're going to do, and the very first thing Udacity did was the nano degree. We're going to go to companies and say, what are the skills people need to get jobs at your company? Udacity is a unique part-time online education program geared for people like you looking to take your technology to the next level. They offer the latest cutting-edge nano degree programs which you can't get anywhere else, things like AI, deep learning, flying car and autonomous flight engineer, intro to self-driving cars, machine learning engineer, robotic software engineer, and they design these courses by partnering with industry leaders, Microsoft, Google, IBM, AWS, and more. In fact, team leads at these top companies are often your instructor, people who are passionate, who understand the skills you'll need to work with them. If you love learning and you want to get a job in tech, Udacity is for you. Even if, I mean, honestly, I take their courses just because I love this stuff and it's a great way to learn. Udacity can help you master the latest tech skills and techniques. Of course, they've got the videos that you can watch the lectures on your own time at your convenience. But more importantly, and I really appreciate this, they focus on active learning. You actually, their 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 courses are project-based. You actually have to implement the things you've learned and that makes a huge difference in your understanding uh you've got to test your knowledge you've got to do these projects now you're not doing them alone homework and projects are reviewed by qualified professionals you'll have real human feedback and code reviews so you really kind of get used to the kind of environment that you'll be working in in big tech and of course you have access to mentors 24 7 so Yes, you're going to have, you're, I tell you, it's hard. You're going to have points where you go, I'm, what do I do? I don't know how this works. How do I do it? You, you ask a mentor. It's, a, it's really a successful way to do this. And, and 
you can do this in your own time in as little as five or ten hours a week. You work at your own pace any time of the day or night. There are mentors available all day and all night, 24-7, because they're global. And you can graduate in as little as three months. You might have a better job before next year. Wouldn't that be awesome? And, and maybe it's a good thing because according to the World Economic Forum, 75 million jobs are going to be replaced by automation in the next three years. That could very well be yours. Prepare for the future with Udacity. Over 14 million people in over 240 countries now use Udacity. You can see the course listings at udacity.com. My suggestion is look at them and pick something that gets you excited. Don't pick something because you say, oh, I have to do this or I should do this. Pick something that you say, I want to I be an autonomous flight engineer. I want to learn this. Because I tell you what, that passion is going to drive you through the learning. You're going to be better at it. And when you get that job, you're going to be happy. Wouldn't you like to be happy in your job? Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, once you enroll as a student in specific course offerings, you're going to view the online course. You're going to complete a series of projects and support courses. They have free courses, yes. They also offer flexible payment options so you can learn at your own pace and schedule. And by the way, if you're a business, you should check out Udacity for Enterprise. If you've got a team that needs to master cutting-edge technologies nowadays, we really want our IT teams to be experts in cybersecurity for sure or AI or data science. With Udacity for Enterprise, you can upskill your entire workforce with real-world project-based learning. Be sure to check out the Enterprise section of Udacity's website today. Get the in-demand tech skills you need to advance your career. Visit Udacity, U-D-A-C-I-T-Y, udacity.com slash twit. By the way, we've got a really good deal for you. I'm really thrilled to be able to tell you about this. Use the offer code twit 75 75% off any program. Do not wait. This is going to be a limited time offer. I'm, I'm thrilled we can offer this to you. Udacity.com slash twit. The offer code twit75 for 75% off. Wow. Ah. I have a segue. Actually, we plugged in the segues the other day, and the batteries. Uh... Why are you laughing? See, this is the problem with the segue. No, I was laughing because I thought yeah, you had a segue to a new topic. No, so I have a segue scooter that you ride. <laughs> so I was like, oh, not that. No, we're on I love this topic it. still. But yeah, the battery won't charge anymore. I guess we left it sitting too long. But I think it's easy to replace them. So I'm going to find out. Uh, they're also covered with mud because the kids. When uh, Michael was little, he would just he, they'd, they'd go off road. They'd ride everywhere. They trash the things, but they are so much, so much fun. I should, if you didn't look like such a dork, because you're nine feet tall when you're riding a Segway. If you didn't, they have that new C80, which is a moped Segway. Uh, oh, um, the new stuff, the Ninebots, because they got bought by Ninebot. Yeah, the Ninebot nine stuff's bot, pretty right. cool. We have an original <laughs> Segway before they got bought. So um, I thought they were pretty cool. I like electric. I'm all electric. We've got electric bikes, Segways, electric vehicles. I think it's great. I I just love it. Uh, let's see here. What else should we talk about? Firefox lost almost 50 million users last year. That's depressing. Out of a total of 250-some million. That's a big drop. Um we talked about this on Security Now. I really think it's important. What do you think? That there be a, a diversity of 
browser ecosystems. Firefox is kind of the last holdout. Everybody's gone Chromium-based, not just Google Chrome, Microsoft Edge. Uh, I use Vivaldi. I'm using Vivaldi right now. That's Chromium-based. Uh, Brave is Chromium-based. Uh, everything is. It's Duck, a, Duck, oh, wait. No, that's not. That's a browser. DuckDuckGo has that's a browser. So no, not. they have a browser. Yeah. Okay, they do. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there, it's all it's all Chromium based, which on the one hand I guess is is good because then it's maximum compatibility. But on the other hand, but I think I think diversity is good. Yeah, you know, in, in software ecosystem, you know, because if there if there are vulnerabilities, exactly, then, that's what Steve then, was saying. You know, if you if you've got something, you know, alternatives, you you can switch to something else. Do you think that their um, slide was due to when Edge hit the Mac? Edge for the Mac was dope. It was fastest for a minute, and then it got kludgy. But for the minute, it was like the fastest browser for the Mac. Yeah, and I, I was like, I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this. Edge has gotten I'm junked really up. Judging, but I think now Edge, Edge is junky. Up. Yeah, exactly. That's why I wonder. I wonder if that did cause any slide though to Firefox, and I'm also makes me curious what the heck happened, like Edge team, because you came out of the gate like, yeah, we got this. And then I don't know what happened. It's a huge drop over a year. That's a huge drop. Um, I just think Chrome is more and more dominant, and Edge didn't help. Uh, There is Safari. We Mac people use a WebKit-based browser. But uh, what do you think, Doc Rock? Because I know you use use Macs all the time. Do you use Safari? I, I use Safari as my primary browser, but I'm finding more and more because I am doing a lot of stuff with content creation and doing things yeah. where I have to do what we're doing today, call in to someplace else. I always have to use Chrome for that because the one thing that's great about Safari is the security. But that security comes at a cost when I can't do regular stuff, right? Because, right. you know, and again, I get what they're trying to do and I appreciate that. I don't mind having two browsers. Most people, that irritates them. They So they just say, screw it, and they just use Chrome. So they're kind of, A, the most flexible, but they're the ones that's also mucking up the security because that's where your friends breach and they get your information, even if you are tight, right? So it's it kind of, for a person like me, it drives me nuts. I wish we would just use the right tools for the right job or everybody. I don't know. I'm on the thing about the consensus, and right now, recently... Strangely enough, I've been using Firefox a lot. <laughs> I might go because back. Of Firefox I, I, Focus. I switched to, to yeah. Firefox Focus on iOS is great because it's a, it got ad blocker. It's got privacy built in. They're still using WebKit. You can't do anything about that on iOS, but you right. can at least use a, a user interface on top of WebKit that does more to protect your privacy. I, I agree with you. I like Firefox Focus. Their new security stuff has just been really, really nice. And it hasn't seemed, and again, I've only been messing with it for about two months now, it hasn't seemed to cause a performance issue. And that's why I've been enjoying the heck out of Firefox right now. So I'd be super upset if they went, you know. Still no better battery life on a MacBook than on Safari. Safari really is good on the battery, I think. Chrome is not so good. (laughs) Somebody in the chat room said, Safari is secure because Apple doesn't spy on you. <laughs> uh, so here, here's another laugh. Elon Musk as CEO of Apple. I think this book got it wrong. It's by a pretty reputable well, reporter, I, Tim Higgins, yeah, the I Wall mean, Street I, Journal. I know Tim. And, you know, I, I think that there may be certain elements of the story that might be wrong. But I think that the fundamental is probably right. Because I, I'm 
Oh, you're the first, first person all, I've heard to defend know, this. Know that Musk T- and Tim Cook. and Elon both said, we've never talked to each other ever. I've never met the I, guy. And I, I think that that's BS because they we were, know they were sitting three feet apart from each other at a meeting with Donald Trump back in 2017. There's photos of them sitting on yeah. either side of Safra Cat. That's when he called him Tim, Tim Apple, I believe. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, they have met and I'm pretty sure they have spoken. Now, the the thing that may be wrong in Tim's story, you know, because what he has is hearsay. He didn't get it from either Elon or right. or uh, or Tim. But I, you know, I think that uh, I'm 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 very very confident that um, Tesla did have conversations with Apple about an acquisition during one of the numerous times e- when Elon they were on the verge tweeted of this. This is what Elon tweeted. Cook and I have never spoken or written to each other ever. There was a point where I requested to meet with Cook to talk about Apple buying Tesla. There were no conditions of acquisition proposed whatsoever. He refused to meet. And by the way, Musk rubs it I, in by saying Tesla was worth about 6% of today's value. Yeah. In other words, I, Tim could have got I don't, a deal. I don't believe that tweet. I think I think Elon's lying, oh, um, wow. which he's, he's been known to do once or twice. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think he did request a meeting with Tim. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Tim did not want to meet directly with him to talk about an acquisition that maybe he talked to um, uh, you somebody know, uh, else. What's, what's the CEO? What's the CEO's name? Luca Maestri. Um, no, no, no. Not, uh, oh. Maybe maybe my street. I'm thinking of the, the other CFO. Uh, the CFO is uh, 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 Jeff. Uh, Williams. Is it Jeff? Jeff Williams, yeah. yeah. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a conversation between uh, Tesla and someone at Apple. Yeah. And I also would not be the least bit shocked if Elon insisted that he be CEO of the combined company. <laughs> that was because so this was the thing. This, was, I mean, this, the, is, this is something we've anybody who's been following Elon for a long time <laughs> knows that part of the reason why you know t- things have gone the way they have at Tesla is because he is a micromanager. He he ha- he owns like 23 percent of the stock in Tesla. Yeah, and the reason why he has retained that level of of control is because he after his experiences with PayPal and Zip2 and his previous companies he did not want to give up control of any of his new companies so he's got similar stakes in SpaceX he's and, and all his other companies yeah. Yeah. and i would not be the least bit surprised if if a condition of any deal and this is why no other automaker would ever consider buying Tesla, unless it was in bankruptcy and the stock was wiped out, is because they don't. Nobody else wants Elon to be part of the organization. Right. So Higgins tweeted that the anecdote comes from Musk's own telling of the story, according to people who heard it. Tim did not hear it, but others did and said, "Oh yeah, Elon said this." I could totally see Elon Musk BSing because it sounds like it's a great story. Yeah. So I was yeah, talking Elon, to Tim. Elon probably. He, he this probably is told this is how. Story. Yeah, this is how the story goes. Uh, in 2016, I thought, you know, Apple wants to do cars. They should buy Tesla. I called Elon Musk and said, on one condition, I'm CEO. I called Cook, rather. Cook thought he meant staying CEO of Tesla. No, no, no. Elon says, I mean CEO of Apple. At which point. Tim Apple said F you and hung up on me. I could totally see yeah, somebody he, he BSing was, that he, story, right? 
And 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 Elon would story. absolutely tell that exact exactly story. that way. Yeah. So so maybe that didn't happen. That's that story was told by Tim. I mean Elon, but that doesn't mean it happened. Yeah. But right. the principle and it, and it was probably exaggerated. It was exaggerated. All right, good. Because Higgins, I think, is very well respected. I didn't know you knew him, so mm-hmm. I, that okay. That makes a lot. That makes a lot more sense. Somebody uh, told him, "Oh yeah, he was Elon was going around boasting that Tim Cook hung up on him after saying F you." <laughs> yeah, I, I have a hard time believing that that Tim Cook would say never, that to anybody. Never. But no. I totally believe that Elon would insist on being CEO of the combined company. Yeah. I could see Tim saying, "Elon, you're high. What have you been smoking?" But that's all. That's all. That's all I can hear. <laughs> Uh, hey, good news. Apple has beaten a patent troll. And the amazing thing about this story, it was actually a federal judge in Marshall, Texas, that threw out the patent. A $308 million patent infringement uh, from a company that I think charitably we could call a, They're trolls. Okay, patent troll. Personalized. <laughs> I was trying to come up with a better <laughs> phrase. Uh, what, do they, what do they call them? A uh, somebody there is non-practicing a, entity. Non an NPE, which is a non-practicing entity. Personalized media communications. Apparently, the judge was a little uh, Judge Rodney Gilstrap of Marshall, Texas, was a little affronted. In, uh, at the whole thing, he said personalized media gets nothing, in fact, has to cover Apple's legal costs, or at least some of them. But what he was affronted by is a process I didn't know about that it's no longer done this way. But back in the 80s, when the term of a patent would last 17 years, the term began not when the application was entered, but when you were granted the patent. So personalized media applied in the 80s, but slow walked it. They, they didn't go finish the paperwork waiting to see if the patent would be worth anything. The company filed hundreds of applications in the late 80s and 90s when these rules were in effect. But no patents were awarded until 2010. And of course, at that point, they've got, you know, 17 years from 2010, not from the 80s. Uh, the judge was <laughs> this is ridiculous. Uh, the rules have changed. It now uh, since 1995, your patent term starts with the date of application and lasts for 20 years after that. So this is called this technique was called submarining. And uh, in fact, if you ask me, it's a giveaway that you're a patent troll <laughs> if you do that. They apparently would wait to see if the patent was going to be worth anything before following through. They didn't want the clock start ticking until. They knew they could make something out of it. Wasn't this the same company that that had the uh, so supposed patent on podcasts? No, or it was something uh, was it? a similar name. Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. wow! Yeah, we got a demand letter from them for some ridiculous amount of money. Um, they actually made a mistake with us because they asked for so much money that would have been cheaper to defend it in court. You and so you know, I almost sent oh, that a letter. Personal audio. Personal audio. Okay, that's yeah. different. Yeah. Person this is personalized media based in the fine Sugarland, Texas. Hey, that's based where I'm out from. Of a, a, I know. A, a PO box in Sugarland. Yeah. They actually filed dozens of lawsuits and they usually settle because companies go, Well, it's gonna be cheaper just to give you some some money. Last year 
the jury in Marshall. I think Marshall's going to get a new reputation. This used to be the home of these patent lawsuits because uh, the juries were so pro the little guy and so anti the big guy. They actually cleared Alphabet of claims it was infringing patents from personalized media for adaptive video streaming. Um, there's a case against Netflix, which they got moved to New York, so that's not going to be as probably as successful as, as successful as they'd like. Anyway, good. I always like seeing a non-practicing entity take it in the shorts. Is that okay to say that, Stacy? I don't even know what it means. I I, I don't know. Stacy's my is. conscience. I, I was like, I don't want that job. Actually, please do not make that my role at all. Okay. I would like none of the thoughts I need to have access to to be your conscience. Okay. None of them. You don't have to do that anymore, unless it unless it hits you. Unless you or hits me as uh, you know, as if, if something you say is like, I'm like, oh no, Leo, don't say no, that. I'm happy to do that, Thank but you. anything else, no. Okay. <laughs> Once I get my punch, Leo button, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, actually, I want to talk a little bit. You have a good article about uh, Google's cameras, the Nest doorbell, the Nest, which is called the Hello, right? Uh, Nest Cam. Well, this is Nest, and their their. Media Kit calls it the Nest Doorbell, parentheses, battery. But on the side, on the imagery, on the side, on the little, it's actually very nice looking. It's called the Hello. It says Hello on the little. Yeah, I have a Hello. Rim. Yeah. Anyway, so I think it's a Hello. But yeah, it's the new Nest Doorbell. Yeah. It is pretty. Look at that. It's very it's jazzy very looking. Yeah. But you're right not, but you the think they could, done, they could have done more with the AI involved. Yeah, I, th- I found this very disappointing. And I know it's disappointing probably in the same way a tiger mom is disappointed in their children, right? You could be president. Why are you just hanging out with a job, right? So with this, Google has done a couple things. They, they've said that they can do machine learning on the device for nine different models, which is very nice on a battery-powered device. They can track packages, people, vehicles, familiar faces if you pay a subscription, and animals, including dogs and cats, possibly raccoons. The the person I talked to was telling me a story about the raccoons. But I'm sad because they don't do anything with this except make notifications a little bit better. And in the smart home, I feel like, hey, if you see a familiar face in the home or coming in the door, maybe you want to disarm the security system. Maybe you want to give me that option. Or I would love to see, you know, if you see my dog on my furniture, play a siren, you know. <laughs> These are the types of things I think, and Google has beat into us that it is really good at machine learning, and it is usually really good at machine learning. So I'm perplexed as to why they didn't do more with this. I guess that's why I'm disappointed. They're perfectly fine as a revamp. I personally, you know, um, have almost no smart devices in our home. In fact, my wife doesn't want cameras inside the house at all. And yeah, the, the only time I've had that, it, but the, that's a doorbell is outside, right? Yeah. Well, even, even that, the only, the only doorbell or the only camera we've had on the outside is one, a wise camera that I set up in the backyard just to watch a, a Robin's nest that had uh, some, Rob, some Robin's Aww. nested in one of the bushes beside our garage. Um, but it, you know, we're, we, we just not into that stuff. So it's, um, but you know, it's interesting that, you know, uh, Google has, you know, not done as much as they could, you know, with the AI and this thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's funny. My entire house have... is like that, except for I can't put a camera on my door because condo. And I, of course, no cameras in the house because condo. But I love having like. Wait a minute, condos don't let you have cameras in the house? We could, we have all the doors have to be the same, right? And so not everybody's going to buy. You're going to get like all myriad versions of just. If you said Nest, I mean, sorry, not Nest alone, Ring alone, there's like 27 different looking rings. And so, you know, you got people like me who'd buy the high end just because. And then you get other people like, I'm going to get the $5 one I got from, you know, some bootleg place and it just would make the hallways look bad. So we can't do it. But we're working on trying to get the board to come to some decision to allow it because it's extremely helpful for the UPS man. Right? We all get packages every day. So I know my UPS man. He's been my UPS man for 30 years. So like I, uh, Matt knows Apple days. Okay. I know he's not home yet, but let me call him and let him know. I will be it's there. It's an Apple day, Matt. Minutes. Leave the phone. Yo, he knows. He, he will text me. Hey, I'm almost there. I will take off from wherever oh, I am. That's to a get, good idea. You, know, you still get got to a sign, your, right? Get to know and your so, UPS guy. <laughs> man, it's a marvelous thing. So yeah, I, I agree. I, some of the stuff, you know, that's not quite there yet with the smart home does feel like a letdown when you run into that situation. And so for me, again, a big one. Say I'm cooking shabu shabu, and it, I get a false positive on my Nest uh, smoke detector. I can't just say, "Hey, you know, gee, people, can you kill the smoke detector? I'm I'm Chef Boy or burn them up today. Let it happen." And then they'll, they'll be like, "Okay, but you can't. I like like either got to disable it or you know mess with the don't pay any attention to this for an hour thing." It's it's I'm with Stacy. It should be smoother by now because it's been so long. And I guess my other fight is when you live in a place that only has air conditioning, I can't get a smart thermostat because they all want to work off of HVAC. We don't use H. We only got VAC. <laughs> so I, I don't know what to do. It's driving me insane. So do you think, Stacy, part of the reason they don't make these smarter is they're concerned? I mean, Google, poor Google. Anytime they do anything with AI, people go creepy, crossing the creepy line. You think they're worried about that, the creepy line? I don't know. I mean, so I had in like 2015, I think, 2014 even, a Netatmo camera. Yeah. Netamo. I don't know how to say it. And when I had, it it had familiar faces free, actually. So if it recognized, it recognized all my family's faces. And if it didn't see them for a while, it would turn on, it would arm the security system, basically. And when it saw us come home, it would disarm it. And that didn't feel creepy. Netatmo did everything locally on the device. The object detection models are running locally on the Google device, which makes it less creepy. So I don't know if it's a creepy factor or if it's just, I I really, I just don't understand. And it makes me sad because I really, I do like Google. I do think what they're doing in the smart home is, is actually pretty nice. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. I, it's Somebody funny. said that, Leo, this week. On the only thing creepy about this device is the Google logo. They're not actually doing anything creepy, but just because <laughs> it says Google, people are going to think that. And I forgot where I heard that. It might have been Renee, but that's, that's the creepy true. part is the logo. That, yeah. There's that no is a logo true on the hello doorbell, thank goodness. I do right. wish it would say things like Joe's at the door, or, I mean, it, it says there's someone at the front door. I was hoping that or these newer capabilities will be will be better. Yeah, like oh yeah, yeah, like like there's you give it a good example of a, the swimming pool example of. Uh, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's a great example. <laughs> 
It is. Uh, where you point a camera, you can say you can say that there's a zone. So you can say this is a swimming pool zone. What you'd like it to be able to do is say if if an adult enters the zone, don't worry about it. But if a kid enters the zone, let me know. Would be really useful. Uh, that would be extremely a huge useful. safety feature. So yeah. I, I agree with you on that. Uh, let's take a little break. We can wrap it up because it's waffle time on Bainbridge <laughs> Island. Uh, but f- <laughs> You're not wrong, Leo. You're not wrong. <laughs> but first a word from our sponsor. This show is supported by AT&T Active Armor. We use our phones all the time these days. I mean, come on. Everybody does. We're always on them, whether it's live streaming content catching up with the family on weekly video calls, watching your favorite podcast. That's great. The last thing you want in the middle of a show is a fraudulent call trying to sell you auto insurance. I just, you know, it got to the point, it was so bad for a while that I just stopped answering the phone. Then along comes AT&T with this incredible solution, Active Armor. AT&T makes customer security a priority and helps block those pesky calls. It's not complicated. AT&T Active Armor 24-7 proactive network security and fraud call blocking to help stop threats. And you know what? At no extra charge. Of course, you do have to have a compatible device and service required. Visit att.com slash active armor for details. And I can say this sincerely. Thank you, AT&T. I can answer my phone again. Uh, All right. All right. You did a, quickly tell me why swarm technologies is going to be important for SpaceX. Actually, Stacy, yeah, you talked about this on your. I just had, yeah, I had Sarah Spengelow on the show a couple, a couple months back. I thought this was both a crazy thing and a really scary thing because space or swarm is tiny. She's one of the founders of Swarm. We should oh, say. Yeah, Sarah yes. Spengelow is the CEO. She's also a former Canadian astronaut. Just oh, nice. So fancy. Um, <laughs> They make these things called tiles, and they connect to the tiny little uh, satellites that are up there in low Earth orbit. Um, and the cool thing is they can get, deliver internet access to things, low bandwidth internet access, for $5 a month. I'm actually testing out a swarm satellite service right now, or eval kit right so now. So she's kind of like got a mini Starlink sort of going it, is it yes, low low it, bandwidth Starlink basically? It's it's a low power WAN, so it's low power wide area network. This is like you know how I always talk about the Internet of Things needs connectivity that's yes. cheap, ubiquitous, and so like the easy sidewalk, to like sidewalk, yeah. The, it's like traffic. sidewalk, except yeah. this is satellite based, um, and they have one hundred twenty one satellites in orbit, so it's it's a non trivial network they've got up there. Yeah, no, they they've done and they're gonna. Ha- I can't remember. I'm sorry. I, I'm. I'm I'm writing a story on it actually right now, but I haven't got all the data in there yet. It's got TKs. Uh, I, I have some stats. Uh, okay. 750 you know data packets, packets, 750 data packets a month, but that's $5 a month and it's global. So who would pay for that? The company that made the IoT device or would the end user pay for that? I would think most, well, it depends on the business model you want to have, yeah. but Probably maybe it'd be part of a subscription, like a Nest subscription. Yeah, you'd make it if you were doing consumer. It'd be a subscription. If yeah. you were building a, like this is their their customer base. A lot of them are like in the industrials kind of world. Sure. So they're like monitoring sensors on gas pipelines, and this is great for. Oh them. yeah, yeah. 
750 data I, packets. I don't know how many bits that is, but it's not she a lot. She says they can send email. Oh. She wants me to test out sending email. But oh, that's you amazing. can do downlink, but not uplink. They have the technical capability for uplink, but they don't advertise it. And it's not where they want to go with this. Well, so it's not going to be up to them anymore because well, yeah. <laughs> SpaceX so is now the is, owner. <laughs> they get cheap connectivity for IoT devices. And do you think that they'll somehow uh, roll this technology into Starlink or, is, or do they just see this as an adjunct business? I don't know enough about where Starlink. I'd have to research where Starlink is. Are they in the KU band? Or are oh, they gosh, in L band? Or are they I don't know. That's a good question. It's, I mean, I used to cover it. So I feel like Starlink's in a separate band, so you can't roll these together in the sky. So it'd just be another business that's that they would do because they've already got these satellites that's, up there. Yeah, I, I mean and you I'm trying to think of the logical reason to have a dual band receiver down that could do KU right. or it. Right. Right now, if I weren't talking, I'd be furiously looking up what band Starlink. Starlink is, is too expensive uh, to. I mean, you really it doesn't make any sense to use it for IoT. Uh, the the receivers are bigger. Everything you know, none of this makes any sense. So it seems like a, an interesting expansion of Starlink. What do you think, uh, Sam? You I know you follow uh, Elon quite closely. Um. Um. Yeah. I mean, this is this. I'm not really familiar with this particular one. You know, I think Starlink. I think has is a fascinating technology. You know, and the ability to provide uh, connectivity everywhere. Um. I, I I love the the concept. So far, what I've seen, you know, from early betas of Starlink. You know, it's not as good as was claimed but you know maybe when there's better. another 10 another 10,000 satellites up there I'll then tell you, yeah then maybe it'll be good I follow the uh, Starlink subreddit uh and it's expensive it's well that's 100 bucks a month 500 dollars for the gear but if you are in an area where you don't get internet yeah if there's no the, cable or the fiber wilds where of you Michigan, are then, you know it's, it's maybe a, your only option it's a, it's a really for a lot of people and I have to say the vast majority of people on the on the Starlink subreddit on Reddit Love it. They're thrilled. And there's a yeah. lot of people saying, I, when, when do I get it? When do I get it? Elon's also started to imply that it will be mobile at some point, which is, to me, very interesting. Right now, it has to be tied to an address. But uh, at some point, he says, we're going to be able to well, make this so that, that you can have a mobile device doing this, which would be very yeah, interesting. I think, I think the real challenge there with, with the mobile part is you know, that you have to keep the, the antenna aimed at a satellite. Um, you know, and this is and from, the battery power. Yeah. And the battery power, yeah. See, I want it you on know, a cruise ship Eli, so I Eli can Patel's review of the, the Starlink me. beta, you know, he he had a hard time just finding a place where he could get a clean view of the That's sky. That's the challenge. You know, That's I mean, the even challenge. a tree in the way no of, you know, was enough to, yeah. was to kill the signal. We have a host who does uh, Floss Weekly, Jonathan, I know who is raving, but he's in Oklahoma, so... Again, yeah. it really helps to have no no trees. You found out it's the, the case. Twin, the twins have that thing too on the uh, New England coast, somewhere not that far away from the headquarters. They actually got one for their beach house. Oh, nice! And yeah, he said, yeah, like it was all good at first, and then the tree, you know, got to get those not, trees out of it, the way. It, it became gotta, not winter anymore, and the tree blooms. Like, oh, yeah. I got to move this thing. <laughs> you got to <laughs> so, put it on a pole taller than the trees. That's the key. Um, you said it's the KAKU band, Stacy. It is the KA. So there, we're talking. You know, swarm satellites are down here. Uh, Elon's are oh here. Let's there we go up here. Elon. Yeah. 
Sarah's. Yeah. Um, and then their radios are going to be transmitting at different decibels and I don't see, it does not seem reasonable or possible. Now, Starlink has been focused on building software that can really optimize um, for coverage and and communication. Like, I don't believe Elon and his mobile stuff right now. I'm just going to tell you honestly. Um, So maybe there's some like, maybe Swarm has magical. Uh, You have little faith in Elon. (laughs) Magical technologies. Or this could be. The other thing that Swarm has is access to the same satellite airwaves, so the same spectrum that Orbcom is using. And I can't remember the wavelengths, the frequency range right off the top of my head. But um, so this could be a play to get access to more airwaves, which would then have more, could allow Elon to have more capacity on SpaceX. This is interesting. This is the Swarm eval kit. For evaluating five hundred. That's what bucks. I have. You have one of those. It's my. Oh, should I tell people? So this is a solar panel. This week. This is a solar panel. Uh, the the transmitter is just this little antenna. Is all. Yeah, it's good. So it's got and a there's a battery, window, a so it'll run. Wave. Yeah. So you have cool. one. What do you do with it? I well, I want to take it out next week. I'm hoping to take it out to the Olympics to test actually where I. C- won't have connectivity. She doesn't mean right now the summer like, Olympics in Tokyo. She means the mountains. Olympic the mountains, mountains the to be clear. <laughs> the mountains that are you know, two hours to the west of me. I'd like to take this to the Olympics and stream the swimming event. It uh, would not work. You couldn't stream. It's one way. It's, uh, it's one way only. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, the data packets are 192 bytes, up to 192 bytes per packet. So it's really a very low bandwidth, but suitable for yeah, IoT. Yeah, it's optimized for sensors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Oh, you know, in companies like Bechtel, you know, when they're doing these things in their bridges, they put sensors in right. that when they're walking, when they do the bridge walks, they can walk over the bridge. Actually, Bechtel's big in the bay. So when they walk across the bridge, they can detect if there's any cracks or any issues that you're having, you know, with the cabling or whatever. So, yeah, this would be cool because I'm think, I was just looking at the picture here, and, and even with ag, like you can tell if you're having some problem in the field. You can just send a signal, and then someone knows to get there right away and solve it. So, yeah, it's kind of cool. We'll wrap things up with a happy birthday to the World Wide Web, launched 30 years ago, August 6th, the very first website ever launched, Tim Berners-Lee, August 6th, 1991. Uh, It was actually, it said, the World Wide Web, W3, is a wide area hyperlinked something or other. Um, pretty cool. It's hard to believe this thing that we take completely for granted is only 30 years old. That, uh, you know, it was, it was invented before or after a lot of uh, us were born. and Pretty cool. So uh, there is a project to restore that page. It was launched uh, in 2013. Um, oh, wait a minute. And NPR says, here it is. You can go there. Let's do it. Info.cern.ch. Browse the first website. That's it. <laughs> it's pretty basic. A wide area hypermedia information retrieval initiative aiming to give universal access to a large universe of documents. Would you have invested money in this if you'd read that sentence 30 years ago? <laughs> I don't think so. Stacy, find out about Swarm. We'll talk again on Wednesday on This Week in Google. We missed you terribly last two weeks. I can't wait to get you back. 
Stacy's website, StacyOnIoT.com. Subscribe to her free newsletter. Check out the events. And of course, you got to listen to the IoT podcast Stacy does with Kevin Tofel. Waffles in your future? Well, something snacky because I am hungry. Something snacky coming up. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to see you, Stacy. Thank you so much for uh, spending your Sunday with us. We really appreciate it. Thank, thanks, thank, thanks your family, too, for uh, giving you up. Uh, I'm coming over for uh, Karen's uh, uh, Onigiri. Anytime you say, I'll be there, DocRockYouTube.com. I'm sorry, Karen's mom. Karen's Same mom. Thing. Yeah. Does does Karen make it too? Uh, no, I, she she don't have to cook. She has me and her mom, so she yeah. don't have to cook at nice. all. Nice. Both of us love cooking. So. Good, good deal. Man, you're a catch. Uh, YouTube.com no, slash Doc Rock. Of course, he is... Uh, the uh, eCam. What do you call yourself with eCam? The eCam community manager. Community yeah. manager. Guy, guy who gets yelled at the most. <laughs> <laughs> but you can take it. ECAMM dot com. It's a really useful tool for live streaming. Micah uses yes. it to do uh, iOS today. So does Rosemary. Um, it's really really neat, and it's uh, M one compatible. If you've got a Mac, that's really cool. Not just compatible. M one optimized. Anything else you want to plug, Doctor? No, really. I'm just doing my thing on my show and, you know, having a good time. And, yeah, you know, I just wish everybody would dive in. And if you ever have any questions, anybody, you guys can reach me. You know, I'm always down to help. You're the best. It's always a pleasure to have you. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Uh, thanks also to Sam. This was fun. It was old home week. Thanks also to Sam Abel Samad, Guide House Insight. He's a principal, principal researcher there. He's my car guy. And if you love autos and auto tech, you'll love Wheel Bearings, his podcast. He does with my good friend Robbie. That's nice. And Nicole. Oops, that's uh, Doc Rock's page. You can show that. And then I'll show Wheel Bearings. I was like, man, Sam looks better than that dude on that page. <laughs> <laughs> Wheelbearings.media. Uh, how's, how's it going? You having fun? I know you just drove the Mustang oh, yeah. this week. Robbie was yeah, in Switzerland a, a time. for crying out loud. Getting yeah, a, he got to go over there to drive the new Mercedes-Benz EQS, uh, their EV. That's a good deal. So. Roberto Baldwin, of course. Uh, this week he's got the uh, new Cadillac Escalade. <laughs> Holy cow. We're, we're actually going to record a new episode uh, this evening. Oh, good. After we're done with this. Good. So. Okay. Anything else you want to plug, Sam? It's always a pleasure to have you on. Uh yeah, you know, my my day job is an analyst at Guidehouse Insights. You know, if you're interested in anything, any research related to uh, emerging technologies around energy use, you know, check it out guidehouseinsights.com and uh, check out our blog there, where all the analysts write stuff, write interesting stuff there. Um, so, uh, and if, you know, if you need anything, uh, any any market research in those areas that you don't find listed on the site already, you know, give us a shout. We'll be happy to talk to you. It's, uh, you know, we don't plug that enough, so I'm glad you mentioned that. I always mention that you work there, but we don't talk about what you do there. So uh, that's good. GuidehouseInsights.com. We're all, we're all about energy and sustainability. Nice. Nice. That's a good area to be in these days, I suspect. It certainly is. Yes. It keeps us busy. Yes. <laughs> Thank you all for being here. We do this week in tech. Oh, you know what I didn't do yet? Do we have a promo? Yes. Let's sneak that in. Real quickly, this is what you missed this week on Twit. 
Maybe you didn't I miss feel it. more sorry that uh, we we have non-visual listeners for this. <laughs> I can't That's describe rasping. this picture. Cable room. The aesthetic taste of the person is reflected in the chair that we can see <laughs> in the foreground. <laughs> because, whoa. Yeah. Anyway. Previously on Twit. Hands-on tech. Today I want to talk to you folks about another laptop that I got the chance to play with. This is a budget-friendly laptop for the corporate person that's always on the go. It is the Lenovo ThinkPad L13 Yoga Gen 2. All about Android. We started the week off with Google uh, going ahead and unveiling the Pixel 6 and the Pixel 6 Pro. Um, And it was revealed that Google is aiming for the top of the line premium level phone here. Windows Weekly. Panos tweeted, here's a little sneak peek of the new snipping tool for Windows 11. This thing must be a project reunion app. Because what they've done is they figured out a way to bring modern UI to a legacy app. Mm. That's what this is. And that's what the new paint's going to be. And then there was something else. I don't remember if they're... And, and they might be doing this. Panos is pumped. Twit. Bring your brain. We'll do the rest. <laughs> that's what years of following Microsoft is, has done for you. Yeah. And listen, it's so useful. Like uh, cocktail parties or in conversations <laughs> with friends. It's like... I so am, what do you think of the new snipping tool? I am tool the toastmaster. I'm like, I'm so glad you asked me that. <laughs> Actually, Paul's right now. He's in Mexico. He went to Mexico City, uh, San Miguel de Allende, and Guanajuato. I can't wait to talk to him when he gets back. He's got a lot uh, lot uh, of stuff he's been uh, visiting, so we'll look forward to Windows Weekly uh, this coming Wednesday. And, of course, right after that, this week in Google. Uh, if you are not yet a member of Club Twit, I might uh, want to uh, encourage you to help support the network. It makes a big difference to us. It has really turned out to be a real success. It's a way of supporting Twit by donating seven bucks a month. We've decided to give you some benefits, uh, including ad-free versions of all the shows. In fact, if you're a Club Twit member, you're not even hearing this because it's cut out of the show. Uh, you also get, and by the way, audio and video. You also get access to our great Discord, which is a lot of fun. We, we've really been enjoying the Discord. I think it's my new social network. And the Twit Plus feed, which has all the good stuff before and after the shows that hits the cutting room floor. We just scrape those uh, up. We package them into sausage and send it your way via the Twit Plus bonus content feed. All of that, 7 bucks a month, but mostly you do it for the warm and fuzzy feeling that you're helping support uh, what we do here at Twit, and we really are grateful. If you want to know more, twit.tv slash club twit. We do This Week in Tech every Sunday afternoon, 2.30 Pacific. That's 5.30 Eastern Time, 21.30 UTC. You're invited to watch us live if you want. No charge. There's a live uh, audio and video stream at twit.tv slash live. If you're watching live, chat with us live. Of course, there's the IRC, which has been around now for almost as long as the World Wide Web. I think I started doing it in 92 at irc.twit.tv. There's also the brand new Discord channel. If you're a member of Club Twit, you can Twit chat live. And of course, do the animated GIFs <laughs> in our Discord uh, Discord channel. Uh, you can get shows on demand after the fact on our website, twit.tv. There's a YouTube channel devoted to all of our shows. Each channel has each show has its own channel. Uh, or you can subscribe in your favorite podcast client. Do me a favor, if they allow reviews, you know, on the Apple Podcast or um Pocket Casts or Google, leave us a five-star review. Let the world know. Share your love. 
We appreciate it. It helps, uh, helps spread the word about this week in tech. And, of course, if you uh, listen on demand, you might want to chat on demand. We have not only the Discord, we have a discourse, our own forums at twit.community and our social media uh, at twit.social. It's uh, the Fediverse. It's a mastodon. I'll give you a login to that someday, John. <laughs> twit.social. Thanks, everybody, for being here. It's a lot of fun. I'll see you next week or maybe during the week during uh, some of our other shows. Another twit is is in the can. Take care.